With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that 3-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Greetings, welcome inside the Dan Patrick Show here at Fox Sports Radio. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. You can hear our shows right here on Fox Sports Radio. My show, 8 to 11 Pacific, Doug, 12 to 3 Pacific. And we have week three of the National Football League to get to. We got big games tonight. I'm already nervous. I'm drinking coffee very early because Sam Darnold, I don't want him to get hurt in the Snoopy Bowl tonight. So I'm already thinking about fast forwarding to that game. We got the NBA shot clock is going to change. What's the Snoopy Bowl? 
The Sno- it's Jets Giants. They call it the Snoopy Bowl. Why? For the Snoopy Trophy. Why? Because Jets Giants, they wanted to actually play for something a long time ago. So they decided, well, we'll, we'll make it the Snoopy Bowl. But why, so, why Snoopy? Uh, very popular character Agreed. in the in the, in the uh, comics. Yes. Uh, they wanted to call it the Woodstock Bowl, but that was already taken. Uh, and the Peppermint Patty Bowl didn't sound very good. So they decided to go Snoopy. In other words, you have no idea why they call it. It's just one to of those this. things that's always been there. And it never really came up as a topic until Rex Ryan decided, I'm going to put Mark Sanchez in in the fourth quarter because he wanted to win the Snoopy Trophy. Like, that's when it really became, oh, it's not the Snoopy, the Snoopy Trophy, the Snoopy Bowl. That's not why I put him in the game. Well, no, but he said that. I mean, when he said that, he actually brought words to, hey, I wanted to you know, win the Snoopy Bowl. But there were some similarities to playing Mark Sanchez in the fourth quarter and what we saw last night with Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod, whatever. Uh, you can do either one, I think. I think if you say either one, you're I actually, okay. I think as long as you say it with confidence, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, because right? if he's been Tyrod Taylor for the entire time he's been in the NFL and college football, is, you know, you're okay saying it. Suddenly now here's a name change. It's like Mitchell Trubisky. He was Mitch Trubisky, but that didn't sound like a quarterback, so now he's Mitchell Trubisky. But I still think you're okay either way. Yeah, but I, I, that's, a, that's not a mispronunciation of things. Right. That's like if we were mispronouncing it the whole time, shouldn't we say to Rod Taylor, by the way, Mr. Taylor, our bad. We've been mispronouncing it the, the, the wrong way the whole time. Well, I don't know. You could say our bad. He's never said anything about it. If he corrected people all the time, he said, listen, that's not how you say my name. We kept saying Tyrod Ty. No, but he never said anything. He was like, you know, no big deal. Clearly, he said something to somebody and somebody said it. I mean, it was actually one of the one of the came out of the quarterback room on hard knocks. Anyway, they were probably playing two truths, one lie. The, the, and that's the, what it was. My I name like is really Tyrod, not Tyrod. Oh, that's the lie. That's the lie right there. But, no, but there the is truth. a correlation in throwing Sanchez in back when he was the starting quarterback with the Jets and he got hurt. And of course, throwing Tyrod Taylor in who had gotten hurt. And had come back to replace Baker Mayfield after going to get an x-rays on his left wrist. Browns beat the Eagles last night. Only preseason game in the NFL. Going to start here with this. 5 nothing, Scintillating game. If you took the yeah, under, actually, I think you're very happy. I actually watched the entire game. It actually was a scintillating game from this aspect. I thought that either the, any of the quarterbacks could have gotten killed. <laughs> I don't... Uh, Nick Foles was awful. It was LA... It was uh, St. Louis Rams Nick Foles. Baker Mayfield wasn't good. Terod Taylor wasn't particularly good, although he was the best. Um, Sudfeld wasn't terrible also for the Eagles. But the defensive lines dominated the game for both teams, and it was just one of those like, hey, I don't know if we should be throwing these guys out there considering their lines can't protect. On the other hand, um, one of the reasons that lines can't protect is the quarterbacks are making the wrong reads and the wrong throws and holding on to the ball too long. So I, it was... It was a. I was thoroughly entertained by a five nothing game because I saw the monster that is Miles Garrett come to life and all of those monsters up front. Philadelphia still has some dudes on the front seven. All right, let's let's deal with the Terod Taylor situation first, and we get to Nick Foles, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan Patrick and the Danettes today. Uh, Hugh Jackson, we talked about him earlier this week, and the fact that he is running a '90s Cowboys light team in which he allowed Antonio Callaway to come back and play without any kind of repercussion. So there's Hugh Jackson. You know, is he really up for this task? And now last night in a preseason game, in the third game, which yes is the most important preseason game, but it still is a preseason game. To Rod Taylor, who he has said many times, he's he's my guy. He's my guy. He's a starting quarterback. How long is he going to be the quarterback? All season long. Okay. What about Baker Mayfield? We, we love Baker, too. To Rod Taylor is our guy. I'm, I'm putting to bed any quarterback controversy that you could possibly have. To Rod Taylor hurts his left hand, comes out of the game. What happens? He goes back in. He goes back in 
into a meaningless preseason game to go play after he has been hurt. It wasn't an equipment adjustment. It was he got hurt, examined, and he goes back in the game. Yep. Really, that that's that's a level of incompetency that I just don't get. I disagree. Um, from from this aspect, we we don't know if it's the. I don't think it's the Browns putting him back in. I think it's Terod Taylor saying, "I want to play." It's it's the sign of true leadership from from. Um, like, look, one of the reasons that I never agree with coaches uh, waiting forever to name a starting quarterback, and this happens in college, is there has to be a pecking order. There has to be leadership established, not just in the quarterback's room, but also in the locker room. There's got to be a guy. You know, like, it's one of the things that point guards argue with their coach all the time. Like, look, you get on to me all the time, but if you, if you, if you don't play me in key moments in meaningless games to which I can then dictate who gets shots and who, how, how teams play, you're actually hurting my leadership. Terod Taylor's a guy who, um, he's, he's more tangibles than he, more intangibles than he is tangibles, right? Like he too is small. Uh, and though he's athletic, he's not as freaky athletic as some. He's got a good arm, but not the greatest arm in the world. He's fairly accurate. He's not, but he is an incredible leader and he wants to be a culture changer in Cleveland. And I think the, the reason he came back in the game was twofold. One, because he didn't want to let Baker Mayfield have a chance to shine. Like is my team. And when I want to play, I'm going to play. And two kind of laying it out there for the Cleveland Browns. Look, dude, we won one game in the last two years. I know how to win and winning is fighting through uh, rolling your left wrist. It's not his throwing wrist. It wasn't a broken wrist. And it might have looked bad. I, I, I thought that was Terod Taylor stating for the world, this is my team. And I actually completely understand it. All right, let's hear Hugh Jackson, uh, what he said after the game, why Terod Taylor went back in. I was very concerned. It's a hand because I wasn't sure anytime your starting quarterback goes into the locker room, you're not sure. But he came back, obviously went back in the game. So we'll continue to, to look at it and see where we are as we head into next week. I was aware of it. But, I mean, obviously the, our medical people said he was fine and he could be out there, and we wouldn't have put him back out there if he wasn't. So, again, we'll check everything uh, tonight and see where he is, but I think uh, hopefully everything will be okay. See, here's, here's the thing about wanting to go back. That's great that he wants to go back in the game, that he wants to be a leader. Nothing has shown you or told you that his job was in jeopardy. This is not Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, where something could go one way or the other. This is not one guy completely underperforming in preseason, and he feels that his job is at stake. It's great that he wants to go back in. I want my quarterback to want to go back in. This is where the head coach has to be the smart one and say, you know what, You're hurt. yes, you were looked at, but did you really get some kind of in, in intense examination, or was this just a cursory like it is in the regular season? Hey, if you can go back in and play, you go back in and play. This, this game is important. we got to win this game. It was a meaningless game, as, as you even said. Key moments in meaningless games. The game itself is meaningless. The worst thing that could happen the out- is Tyrod Taylor getting hurt. I disagree. The outcome is meaningless. The, out- the, the final score is meaningless. The game itself is meaningful. I, I disagree. Like, look, I, and, I, and I know we want to get into the Packers not playing into their starters and Todd Gurley not playing uh, for the Rams this weekend. And is this a trend in the National Football League? I, I think it, it's so it's it's completely dependent. Like, look, Nick Foles was awful last night, awful and healthy, and and healthy, right? Coming off of the shoulder from going back was that last week, and now you're like, dude, they they got to get Wentz up because he was he was bad. I mean, he tripped over his teammate's foot, caused him a safety. That's two points. He threw a couple of awful interceptions. He just didn't look comfortable back there. And for a guy who won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. 
you would think he'd be calm, cool, and delivered, keep the offense on time. The games are absolutely meaningful. The, the outcome is meaningless. How you play is meaningful because you, can, you, can, one, you can't fool the coaches with the eye in the sky, but you also can't fool players. You want to be a leader? You want to say, like, you want to, be, you want to lead us into battle? Like, you got to show us. You want the ball as a wide receiver? You got to show us. You want the ball as a running back? You want to be able to start as an offensive lineman? You got to show your teammates that you belong because you cannot fool the players. So I disagree with the idea that, and, and every team is different based upon where they are in the growth and how much they, they scrimmaged that week leading up to it. But for, for Terod Taylor, like, look, there's the old Wally Pip. You, you don't, that's why Jade Leno never took a night off. He was always, whether it was real or imagined, he always was concerned with losing his job. He didn't want to take a night off. He would never give anybody else an opportunity to host the Tonight Show. And I kind of get it if you're Terod Taylor, because he's been that backup before. He lost his starting job last year in Buffalo, and it was the reverse Wally Pip, right? Nate Peterman com- comes right. in, throws five first-half interceptions. You're like, okay, that's not going to work. But I, I, I don't even think necessarily it's a healthy respect for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield at home, fan favorite, number one overall pick. Don't give him any opportunity to win your job. Forget that. I, I'm fine. I roll my wrist. I spray my wrist. It's my left wrist. I'm fine. I can play. 877-99 on Fox Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. So Terod Taylor comes back in and he plays. And right now, allegedly he's okay. We heard who Jackson. We gotta wait. Oh, guys getting hurt in the preseason. Meanwhile, Nick Foles. Nick Foles has to what people have to realize about Nick Foles is that he hit a moment in time during the playoffs Super Bowl run last year. We have seen Nick Foles have moment in times before. He had a great run. It was it six years ago when he when he jumped in to start for the Eagles, and he was phenomenal in that offense, and and you know twenty seven touchdowns and two picks, and he was great. And then what happened after that? He wasn't very good, and his career meandered, and he wasn't good in other situations. Nick Foles is your quintessential backup quarterback who can turn into a hero at any given time, and at the perfect time for the Eagles last year, he had big games in the playoffs. There wasn't a lot of tape on him with this offense, and they, they were able to, to call a lot of plays, keep the other teams off balance, and he was able to play well for a short period of time. But now, when you're going to ask, okay, continue and to move on and, and continue this excellent level of play, that's just not who he is. Because if he was that guy, he would still be the Eagles quarterback, or he'd be a starting quarterback somewhere else in the NFL. Nick Foles, you realize, we had that moment. And if something happens to Carson Wentz, he's a great backup. He can come in and play for a week or two and do things. But if you're relying on him long-term, uh, that's just not going to work. And remember, this is not the same coaching staff for the Philadelphia Eagles. Doug Peterson remains, but Frank Reich is gone other offensive assistants are gone as well, so they're working through that. Uh, they were they're they're struggling at left tackle last night. I mean that's a, that's a big issue, and you also don't have Alshon Jeffrey, who's your your best and biggest pass catching threat. In in fairness to Nick Foles, but yes, Nick Foles looked like a guy who is more the consummate backup than a consistent starter. And like, look, I credit Nick Foles in many ways because he had opportunities to leave the Eagles this offseason. And he has said he's very comfortable where he is. He knows what it's... I, I would also guess that he doesn't love the pressure of being a starter. There's a, another quarterback, I'll, I'll have him remain nameless, who has been, I think he's still a backup quarterback in the NFL. Geno Smith. No. No. Um, G, Gino, they actually <laughs> like in, with the Chargers. Yeah. And he actually comes highly recommended from the Giants and the Jets. 
in terms of how he played, but he is, he's a constant backup. No, there's another uh, backup in the league who I was told when he was a starter, his coach at the time could not name him a starter until Wednesday or Thursday because he named him as, or, and hopefully on Saturday or even Sunday because the more time he had, it wasn't the other team figuring him out, is that he would, wouldn't be able to sleep, but super nervous, super tight, and couldn't function if he was named. Even if he knew he was starting, you would wait until day before or day of the game before you announce him as a starter so that, so that he could remain more calm. And like, look, there's some guys we've talked about Kevin Love with anxiety. Some guys have struggled dealing with the anxiety of being a starter. It's just different than what it takes to be the backup. It's like the backup singer to the lead singer. Some guys can belt it out as a backup singer and provide harmony. But when they, when it's time for that solo, they can't do it. And that's, that's what Nick Foles appears to be like. That was, that was a Larry Brown with the Raiders sort of performance last night. And I'm talking Larry Brown, Super Bowl MVP with the Dallas Cowboys. It could also be Larry Brown, the coach. I mean, because he, he, would, he would be there and then he would leave. So yes. that, that's what would happen for Larry yes. Brown. Yes, also possible. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. We're just getting started NFL. Coming up next, as Doug said, yeah, we got many starters sitting. In fact, one team sitting all of their starters for the all-important week three of the preseason. You listening, Hugh Jackson? All-important. Week three of the preseason. We got that coming up next right here, Fox Sports Radio. No matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. They have amazing shower stuff, hairstyling products, toothbrushes and toothpaste, and of course, razors and shave supplies. And if you shave every five minutes like I do, yeah, you need great shave supplies. Dollar Shave Club has them. That's how I get ready. But you're not me. You got your own way to get ready. You might shave your whole body to get ready for a bike race. <laughs> me on a bike. Dollar Shave Club's executive razor and shave butter can help you do that and many other things. You might do your hair to get ready for your soccer match. Boogies by DSC can help you get your style right. The thing is, no matter what you do to get ready, DSC has everything you need. And right now, you can get ready with an amazing deal on any one of their starter sets. I recommend the Daily Essential Starter Set. I love the Amber Lavender Body Cleanser, but you can't go wrong with any of them. Head over to dollarshaveclub.com slash Patrick. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Patrick. Pick up your own starter set for just 5 bucks. After your starter set, products ship at regular price. And make sure you check out their new video, too. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Patrick. dollarshaveclub.com slash Patrick. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith and Doug Gottlieb in for Dan from the Mercedes-Benz Studios. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Got Jason Locke and Fora coming up in a few minutes. CBS NFL Insiders. We get set for a full slate, well, minus one game. Week three in the preseason. Going to see most of the starters play. Plenty of storylines we'll get to over the course of the show today. Sam Darnold can win the starting job with the Jets. What are we going to see in Denver? Will they want to make a trade at quarterback? But some starters you won't see include Todd Gurley and the entire Green Bay Packers offense. This story breaking last night that uh, Todd Gurley will not play at all in the preseason. He calls it a player's dream to not play, and he's a running back. He says some guys... Like to get hit, get into preseason games, not this guy. And the Packers, who take on the Raiders, have decided to rest all of their offensive players. Aaron Rodgers not going to play, so it's going to be a bunch of backups against the Oakland Raiders when they play. You kind of buried the lead there, though. What I don't understand this Denver's going to trade for a quarterback thing. Denver, Denver has Case Keenum, yes. who 
Let's see how it goes with him. Look, I, I'm not a, clearly, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge Case Keenum guy, but no. the money he's making is starting quarterback money. Yeah, they got, but they got him basically for a year. And it's like, okay, let, let's see how it goes. Now, they'll need another quarterback at some point. They've been linked to, to Teddy Bridgewater because their backup situation clearly is not what they expect it to be. Can Chad Kelly be a quarterback? Yeah, okay, maybe. He's second string right now, but is he the quarterback of the future? Teddy Bridgewater was clearly a, one of a, at least an average starting quarterback in the NFL. He's also young. He's only 25 years old, a little bit older than Carson Wentz. And if he is healthy, certainly he could be a solution for a team over long haul, so you would trade right, for him. But if you're the and have, if you're the Jets you're, right now, you have a you got a golden ticket. You're not trading Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater for anything. You're waiting for somebody to have a starting quarterback go down and think they need Teddy Bridgewater and potentially trade him for a first round pick, right? Yeah, right. But if the closer you get to the season, if there's no injuries, his trade value is going to go down because by the time he gets the team and gets acclimated to the playbook, you're throwing him in in the middle of the season or week, you know, week four, week five, we had an injury and, you know, let's face it, how long till he becomes a really effective guy. You need to trade him at some point so he can get in, absorb the playbook and hit the ground as close to running as possible. Um, yeah, but, but why would you, you're limiting the number of, somebody will go down with an injury, correct? At some point, sure. Well, it's not gonna be the, not gonna be the Packers tonight. It's no, no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. there will be a quarterback that goes down with an injury. Uh, Sure. At some point, there will be, yeah. Okay, and and that team will want Teddy Bridgewater. There's other teams that want Teddy Bridgewater potentially as the future. You know, the Chargers are looking for a, a for a future starting quarterback. Every Lots of people are intrigued by the idea of Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater had one of those seasons. If you remember, he had Adrian Peterson, very limited playbook, um, but they only lost to the Seahawks at home because... Blair um, Blair Walsh Blair Walsh couldn't make an easy field goal back when Minnesota played outdoors. That's how long ago it actually was. But he was a very good game manager, and I think he's intriguing. But I, I just I would disagree with the idea that you're going to trade for him to be a backup in Denver when you just acquired Case Keenum and he's your starter. You only make that trade if you're at absolute desperation, and that desperation happens if Case gets hurt. Well, or what What if he stinks? And then he's like, okay, instead of getting, going to get our quarterback in the offseason, you already have your guy. You're, you're pot committed to Case Keenum based on how much money he makes. I think that's fine. And you can be pot committed to him. But then if something happens this year and he's not good, you get to week seven, week eight, you're going to need something else. So you make that move and then say, hey, we're going to go with Teddy and see what he gives us. And look, Teddy Bridgewater is also a guy you can walk away from after this year. He said, listen, it didn't work, and we're going to go back into it. He, it's, it he's, a, he's a golden ticket for many teams. And if you're the Jets, you're looking at the case of, well, we're just going to lose him after this year. Sam Darnold's our guy. You know, we got Teddy Bridgewater to be a placeholder in case things didn't go our way in the draft. Things went their way. They were able to move up and get Sam Darnold. So he's going to walk away for nothing. So you're looking to get some kind of but asset they, for him. They, they will trade him. Like, like look, Case Keenum, it's a two-year deal. Okay, He's... Is eighteen million um, in in nineteen salary two thousand nineteen salaries guaranteed against injury? Seven million uh, of it is guaranteed at signing. So I mean, like, look, they're already seven million in, and I I I I doubt very seriously. I don't think Case Keenum is a long term solution. I think he's a placeholder at quarterback. But again, like, you're gonna have to give up a first or maybe a high second in order to get up or or at least a, a first, if not more, uh, or excuse me, a second, if not more, to get Teddy Bridgewater at this point in time, and I don't think the Broncos are that kind of desperation. The other point that, that you were getting to, which is sitting guys, is interesting because here's the Green Bay Packers, a team that I'm guessing thinks in their minds, hey, we are a couple of injuries away the past couple of years from playing in a Super Bowl, 
and giving Aaron Rodgers a chance to compete against Tom Brady, and we haven't gotten there, right? Like, the story of last year in the NFC was the litany of injuries between Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz. Um, obviously, it wasn't just Ezekiel had suspension. Uh, uh, Tyron Smith was hurt. And so I, I understand this idea, but I, I, I guess we'll have to see how teams come out of the gate, the ones that sit their players, because, look, Philadelphia played their players and didn't play well last night. Cleveland played their players. Obviously, the defensive fronts for both played well, but out, the offensive line was awful. But do those reps, those game reps, help them for the season as opposed to the Green Bay Packers saying, look, it's better for us to be fresh, rested, and healthy than it is to have game reps heading into the season. All right, let me ask you this, going back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago. It's important for the Packers to stay healthy. Their goal of being a Super Bowl team is where they're at. It's important for the Browns to win football games and turn around the culture of this team, and they got to do it now. You're coming off a couple of, you know, you look in the rearview mirror and you see two 0-16 seasons, you need to make sure that you are getting rid of that image and you need to become a team. Hey, we're no longer that laughing stock. We may not be a great team, but we got to start winning games. So how is it different that the stakes for the Packers, we're talking Super Bowl and, and we're going to rest our starters, is different than the Browns and Hugh Jackson putting Tyrod Taylor back into a game where he had gotten injured in the preseason. You want to make sure he's healthy. You want to make sure you he didn't, didn't get, miss he, anything. He, he did not get injured. He, he got hurt. Yeah, you didn't want to make sure he you missed anything. Uh, you know, it's maybe, completely different. No, it's not. Di- uh, totally different teams. One team has won one game in two years, and the quarterback has a, ba- a backup who's the number one overall pick. Right, and he's he's gonna, but he's not nearly close to losing his job. If if Baker Mayfield was, hey, he's throwing, he's playing great against second and third stringers. Look at he's got four touchdowns in each game this season. I get it, but Terod Taylor is not in danger of losing his his starting job. He'll lose it at some point because Baker Mayfield's going to have to play. But Baker Mayfield's not going to play the beginning of the season. That that's the point, and and the sign of leadership is, hey, I'm gonna that that earns him another. St- the, the the reason he will start another game or two or three or the entire season is what he did last night is because this the, he's making he's and it's a great learning uh learning moment for Baker Mayfield who I do do think has that inner toughness I, I've said this all along about backup point guards in the in the NBA like look if you want to make it you gotta be willing to fight for it you got to be tougher like people think well Matthew Dellavedova is dirty no he wouldn't have made it how he made it unless he was willing to get on the floor anytime there's a loose ball. And to Tyrod or Tyrod Taylor, he wouldn't have made it the way he's made it unless he was willing to go and play last night when he tweaked his wrist. He's obviously fine. So he's not injured. He's hurt. And are you willing to play hurt? Or do you want to sit and, and, and one, run the risk of Baker Mayfield lighting it up? Or two, run the risk of, uh, of, of guys in the locker room going like, yeah, Tyrod could have played, but he didn't want to. Tarod plays no matter what. He can no say, I want to play, I want to get back it's in. Different. The the Green Bay say, Packers no, are trying not. to win a Super Bowl. No, I'm, I'm talking about the- Tyrod Taylor saying, I want to go back in, I want to go back in, and Hugh Jackson needing to be the adult and saying, I get it, I get it, that's cool. The players know you want to play, it's all good. He can even say in the post-game press conference, Tarod wanted to go back in, he can talk about how he wanted to go. I asked the coaches, it could happen. He could have said that, and, and Hugh Jackson needs to say, okay, Tarot, that's cool. I know you want to. That's awesome. It's what I expected of you. But we need to just make sure you're okay after this. And you're going to sit the rest He's obviously of the night. fine. He had x-rays. He's fine. Guy, dudes know when they're hurt and when they're fine. He was fine. And as much as you could say that Hugh Jackson was going to be in control, part of 
what makes you Jacks do Jackson. Part of what it makes any coach a really good coach is you got to empower your players. And if a guy wants to play in a preseason game, he's a vet uh, who's fight, who is fighting for his job. You may not think he is, but the reality of it is you said he's not fighting for his job, but then you said, but at some point Baker's going to play. So he's fighting for, he's fighting for his NFL future and he wants it to be his team. He ain't going to get Wally pipped. I completely understand why Terod Taylor came back and played last night, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a 180, an absolute, completely different direction from the Green Bay Packers who have been in the playoffs or not in the playoffs solely based upon their health, whereas Cleveland's won one game in the last two years. So one team wants to protect their starting quarterback more than the other. One team's starting quarterback is one of the five best throwers still of the starting football. Quarter, still starting quarterback. Still it's the most important position on the different. team. It's totally different. You're, like, it's, they're this, you're, they're, it's the same thing. It's no, it's not. One's got a number one. starting quarterback. It's not the, the – you don't have, protect him from what? Checking what from he potentially getting hurt again, or a, if the injury is worse because they didn't they miss something, they miss something on his wrist. Who knows? It's, on his left you're, wrist. You're talking about something in the middle of a game. Yeah, go back in and play. He was cleared to play. He's fine. He goes back and plays. Tweaked his wrist. Joining us now on the hotline for more NFL. At some point, we're going to start seeing NFL insiders sitting out part of the preseason, That's but not funny. Jason Lock and Fora. Right? That's a very good line. He, you like that, huh? Yes. I was saving that for the last couple of minutes. Jason Lock and Fora, CBS NFL insider, joins us now. Jay, so, Jason, are you going to give us like most of your good stuff and then like you know take off like next week because it's week four of the preseason? I'm just trying to recover from a five nothing football game, man. I, I'm I'm. I'm not even day to day. I'm hour to hour. After uh, I just can't wait for this preseason to be over. To be what was were were the offensive lines that bad or the defensive lines that good? I mean, Cleveland's going to get after some people. Um, you know, I'm I'm still intrigued to see how they hold up on the back end, and obviously Denzel Ward getting nicked up, and then we'll have to see what the MRI shows there. Um, he he's going to have to be a player for them, but if he is, and, and they're even just marginal on the back end, that they should be able to get after people without having to remotely bring numbers to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, the, there's not many good offensive lines, and there's no good backup offensive line. And when you've got teams that are, are kind of sitting a guy here, and, um, you know, it, it becomes diminishing returns, and quarterbacks do get hurt. And, um, you know, that's something that I think coaches need to be super cognizant of when they – go in with their script and, oh, I think we're going to get this many plays out of this guy and this many plays out of that guy, and then an offensive lineman goes down, you better be willing to sit that quarterback. You're ready, willing, and able to sit that quarterback if all of a sudden you don't have it in front of him what's supposed to be in front of him. So, um, But, yeah, the offensive line crisis is real. When it comes to what Doug and I have been talking about the last few minutes, seeing players being sat, Todd Gurley's not going to play in the preseason, Packers mm-hmm. not starting their guys tonight, Terod Taylor got hurt, went back in the game last night and finished for the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Is, are we moving towards one way or another as far as how teams are going to attack the preseason when it comes to playing their starters? I hope what we're moving towards is a three-game preseason. And, you know, whoever gets two home games one year then only gets one the next. Um you know, an odd number shouldn't freak everybody out and be the end of the world. But, yeah, it's very difficult to, um, as much as you're weighing this whole thing of, well, these guys need snaps and yada, 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 veteran players, guys who've been in the league more than three years, especially where there hasn't been a massive system change, um, they're, I mean, they're good. And they're around in the offseason by and large, and it, it, the smart teams put clauses in their contract that incentivize them working out with the team rather than somewhere else. You can kind of keep your eye on them. You know who's in their playbook and who isn't. 
And then it, it's really about, you know, conditioning, getting hit a little bit, right, kind of getting a little bit of a game base. But then it's about avoiding injury. I mean, that's, you know, if you ask coaches secretly, like you, you give them 15 different, you know, potential goals and achievements in the preseason, you know, and it's like ultimate team bonding, chemistry between quarterback and receivers. Like, no catastrophic injuries would be everybody's number one, period. It just would. And so I, I am very much of the mind that discretion is the better part of valor. And if you're worried about it at all, if you think it could be a problem and the players established, just sit him. Nick Foles looked awful last night. Looked like uh, LA, excuse me, St. Yeah. Louis Rams Nick Foles. Yeah. Um, does this speed up the process by which they get Carson Wentz ready? No, no. Um, look, do, do I think that we'll look back on Nick Foles' career and say he had five weeks that stand out as an anomaly compared to everything else, even the good year with Chip Kelly where he wasn't throwing the ball downfield like he was. I mean, that was, you know, that was not the Doug Peterson fearless offense. So I think that will be an anomaly. I don't think um, it changes anything in terms of when the doctors completely clear Carson Wentz and, and when everybody from the owner on down is ready for Carson Wentz to play, you know, tackle football that, that matters in the standings. And, you know, they like, they like Sudfeld a lot, too. So, I, no, I don't think there's any sort of panic there. The goal is to get the maximum number of games out of Carson Wentz. Total. Possible. Period. And if that starts week two, if that starts week three, but then you get, um, you know, it's going to take them a few weeks to, to, to get out the rust. And, and anybody who's come back from a knee injury like this, even, you know, the indestructible Tom Brady, the first half of that first season coming back from the ACL wasn't particularly pretty. So, you know, they'd like to get that clock started, sure, and get him working through some of that stuff. But no, they're not They're not going to alter the course of, of anything just because Nick Foles looks like Nick Foles in the preseason. CBS Sports NFL insider Jason Locke and for our guest here on the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith and Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. All right, another big headline to get away from last night for a second. According to many reports, the Giants and Odell Beckham Jr. are closing in on a contract extension. It could be done before week one. What's the latest on this? Yeah, I mean, this is one that's been going along at a nice amicable pace since before camp started. I know there were reports of them lowballing him, and, and I heard across the board categorically, including from people very close to the hotel, that that's not the case at all. And that, they're, you know, they were talking about a spectrum of ideas and some different concepts. But the end result was that the Giants never once pretended that he wasn't going to become the highest paid receiver in the game. Now, by what threshold and, and, and you know, by what margins, you know, those are the things they're still working out. But he, he's, he's going to make north of $18 million a year. I don't think there's any way around that. It's just a matter of how many of the years are guaranteed. And, you know, there's obviously plenty of contract minutiae to get into. But, you know, he, 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 he has every motivation to sign a contract. And once they're north of Antonio Brown, it's getting done. Um, you know, him going out there and, and playing for peanuts again and being the biggest bargain in the NFL doesn't make any sense. He knows it, and they know it. And, yeah, I've, you know, thought all along that one gets done before week one, and, and I continue to do so. What's your sense of what the Jets do with Teddy Bridgewater? I think with the Jets, they're, they're a pretty progressive organization. They're pretty forward-thinking in terms of, what they're open to, which is how they ended up with three quarterbacks in the first place. So it's not just Bridgewater. It's also McCowan. If, if somebody gives them, if there's somebody out there who prefers McCowan just for whatever reason, and 
they can get what they think is value for McCallum, they'll, they'll trade McCallum. Um, and same thing with Bridgewater. I wouldn't be totally stunned, honestly, if, if there's injuries throughout the league like last year. If the quarterback position gets hit anything like last year. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they traded like McCallum to the Rams in a couple of weeks. And then Bridgewater somewhere before the deadline if a good team feels like he could save their season. And then they just sign whomever off the street. I mean, anybody who's been in Jeremy Bates' offense before or whatever. Um, you know, and, and they just grind it out that way because as much as they want to show strides and progress in 2018, they really have an eye towards 2019 in that organization and, and a lot of things in place on a long-term plan to try to kickstart it then. So nothing they do would surprise me, um, but uh, it, it may, maybe McCown traded first and maybe, you know, only McCown traded. It's really going to depend on what the market can bear, and, and they've been trying to determine that, but it's very difficult until you get through the third preseason game. You know, after the third preseason game, teams know who they're keeping and who they're cutting and what numbers they like and what numbers they don't like, and that's when the trade talk really heats up. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Lockin4. That's at Jason Lockin4, CBS NFL Insider. Jason, as always, man, appreciate it, buddy. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. No worries, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, if you ever miss any of DP's celebrity interviews from the Mercedes-Benz Man Cave like Jason Lockin4 or anybody else, just go to the Dan Patrick app where you can watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-Benz Man Cave. Mercedes-Benz, the best. Or nothing. So that's the first time I've heard Josh McCown's name out there, or the fact that Jets could trade both guys. You may go crazy, just trade Darnold too. I I got the fever now. I got the gamble, the betting fever. Here goes McCown. Here goes Bridgewater. Oh wait, wait, the other guy we wanted to keep. Let's well, they, they're look. They're they have ninety million dollars estimated in cap room for next year. They're playing for the future. You have assets. Smartly hold on to the assets and sell high, and uh, and and try and you know buy low for some other things. I want you to push to be a sideline reporter for the Jets. Because I saw it came out today, you know, a, a big deal, awful announcing. A couple of sites had the the uh, pairings for CBS and Fox this year. Mentioned, you know, you're doing the sideline game we talked about the the other day. Uh, in October 4th, uh, sideline? Is that what it is? I thought it was 14th. Doing Dolphins? Yeah, Dolphins, uh, Dolphins Bears. You should, you should do the Jets. I mean, I'd that would just be Jets. awesome. I have to do the Jets. I'd love to do the Jets. That would be fantastic. Amazing. I'd love Plus, to Darnold's see Darnold's my him. guy. He's Orange County guy, <laughs> San Clemente. We could talk uh, surfing, boogie board, and he's also a good hooper for the Tritons of San Clemente. Yeah. Oh, you can get him as an interview during the game? Sure. Oh, that'd be a- hey, Sam, come on over. I just Sam, want to talk to here. Sam. Come here, come here Sam. <laughs> kind of busy? Dude, I'm busy. <laughs> that would be revolutionary. Busy. Plus, I could also do the, uh, from, I, I would, he has a huge orange head. Yes. It looks like Sputnik. <laughs> I love a toothpick on it. I was going to cut himself to sleep in this huge pillow. But that's the thing for guys with big heads. They're really smart, right? That's what it is. If you have a really big head, you're really smart, supposedly. Uh, I don't know. Just guys, TV guys have TV head, right? Okay. Like, even on TV, you have a kind of large nugget, I a little do. bit. Yeah. Right? Um, Steve Lavin, ridiculously large dome. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a big, but a good looking head, big head on TV. I don't know if it means you're smarter. Uh, the Beetlejuice thing is worse. I'd rather have a big head than a little head. <laughs> Save it for later. Uh, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan Patrick. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. We have more NFL on the way in less than 20 minutes, but coming up next, a big change likely coming to the NBA. We'll break it down for you next on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Nothing gives me the image of a real sweaty guy in a dance floor more than hearing this song. Just jumping up and down, not dancing with anybody, just I'm really sweaty and I'm drunk. Maybe because he says sweat, sweat, sweat. But that's what I get when I hear the song. Uh, pretty good t- uh, tweet here from at Tony, uh, uh, at Hambone622. 
Gottlieb show. The reason the Packers aren't playing tonight is because they're playing in Oakland. It's a baseball field. Pack uh, uh, used game four as a dress rehearsal instead because it's on an actual football field. I would hmm. avoid Oakland at all costs as well. <laughs> Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick and the Danettes today. My show heard nights here, 8 to 11. Doug, 12 to 3 every day, uh, 12 p.m., 3 p.m. Pacific. And uh, we spent a lot of time on the NFL first hour, thanks to Jason Lock and Four, who joined us a few minutes ago, said that Odell Beckham Jr., as soon as that deal gets north of Antonio Brown, he's signing. It's going to happen. Um, and we'll have more on Odell Beckham in that contract situation next hour. But see, see, do you think they should wait? I don't understand the rush in giving Odell Beckham Jr. the money. Ex- explain this one to me. Like, why are we giving Odell Beckham? It was like three months ago. He was in a hotel room with a chick, and there's coke. There was coke on the desk. Oh, the Giants are insane. The Giants, because for three weeks, Odell Beckham has shown up and done what he's supposed to do. Right. They Congratulations. Say, oh, great. You know, it's like it's like the, the parents who have the kid that misbehaves, and then the minute he does something good for, like, you know, a half hour, it's over-the-top praise. Oh, that was so great. You're learning. Yes, that's so great. That's so great. And the kid knows, yeah, 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 I'm just acting like this because I need the car Friday night to go out somewhere or because I need you to do this or I need you to be nice so you trust me to go away for the weekend so I can have this huge raging party while you're gone. And that's what the Giants are doing. It's like, oh, o- Odell is, has stood up. He's, he's, he's coming in and he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. They want to give this guy money. And, I, I you know, anytime, look, everybody wants money. And everybody wants to get paid, and I get that. But when you are so over the top about it's got to be, I got to get paid, and that's it, and I, it's the that never works out. I, I I don't think it. I don't think it. Uh, that that's not the part that bothers me. It was the first part that bothers me. It's let's see how Odell Beckham Jr. handles Jalen Ramsey Week One. Let's how see how he handles adversity when the Giants lose a couple of games, when he has some drops, when he doesn't get a call he thinks he should get. If he's not playing well, if the Giants aren't playing well. Because I think we would all concede that when things are going right, when he's healthy and that offense is moving, he's a ridiculous weapon. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, no, no one's doubting the talent. No. Okay, the talent, the ability to deliver on an NFL field. It's all of the other stuff. It's all the other stuff. Um, he, he also he missed four games his rookie year. He missed uh, all but, what, two games last year? Like, that does kind of get... Part of earning that big check is showing up every week, and he hasn't been able to show up every week. He's only been in the league, how many years? Three years? Yeah. Okay, and he's basically missed an entire season of those three years, and he's had these off-field issues, and he had the video to which John Mara, the owner, said, like, basically, we're, we're kind of done with this. Right, right before, the, the, before the draft, there was talk about, maybe we should trade him. Like, all everything is on mm-hmm. the table. Again, didn't mean they were going to trade him. It was just, they were just kind of done with all that stuff. Stuff. And so he shows up before he's cleared to play and he works out. He does, he, he, he does all of, he's done all of the right things for three months. All of them. Not questioning that. Show me what happens when you have adversity. If you can show me you've, adver- uh, uh, you've matured through adversity, then I'll give you a check. Because... That's how the game is played here. I got to give you a check. I got to handle my salary cap. I got to fit you in nicely. I'm like, no one's down in the town. Show me you can show up and not get hurt. Show me you can show up and not get penalized. Show me that you can get along when things aren't going well. I disagree with the Giants giving you money for it. This is, we're redoing a house, right? 
And when you're redoing a house, you know, they'll hit the guys will hit you up for like, you know, when are you getting paid? And I tell my wife, like, give them as little money as possible <laughs> until the job is actually done. Right. And even after it's done, you go back through it. Walk me through the job. You have somebody else come back over and look. And look, listen, if you don't want to do the job that way, that's fine. Don't do this job. But if you're going to do a job for my house, electrician comes over and, you know, he, he wants like half the money up front. I'm like, no, 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 we'll give you a third of the money up front. We'll give you two thirds of the money and maybe pay you a little extra if you wait until it's done. Well, show me your work and then I will give you your check. For for me, for Odell Beckham, the production is great. But when you throw in staying healthy, when you throw in he's gotten a sudden case of the drops over the course of the past season half, one of some of the most drops in the National Football League, none more apparent than the big playoff loss to Green Bay, and his inability to control his emotions. He's not going to change. He's a guy that could get that, make a great catch on 4th and 15. He's also going to give you a 15-yard penalty because he wants to uh, take a swing at Jalen Ramsey because he baits him for the entire game. He's not going to change. He's not going to. You pay him. He's not. This is who he's going to be. This is the Chris Carter. Money doesn't make you, doesn't change you. Money makes you more of who you already are. Because if I, you pay me, why should I act any differently? He's already said, I don't wanna, I'm not going to change who I am. He's giving you an act right now. So he can get paid. I can't lock into him for long term because I'm just going to regret it. There's just going to be too much of that stuff that goes around that's going to make me say, "Okay, Odell Beckham Jr. is worth it." I'm willing to. I'm willing to believe that he can mature. I'm willing to to believe that he because I have been told that he's cut a lot of the other a lot of the hangers honors out of his life and he just wants to play football. But again, I want to see it through adversity. Adversity exposes who you really are. Like you know, if you have a real friend. When you need a real friend, they're there for you. You got a real football player. When things are going poorly, they're there for you. And adversity exposes. And I want to see how Odell Beckham Jr. handles adversity before I make him the highest paid wide receiver in the history of the game. And if you are a contractor who can handle adversity, Gottlieb is at Gottlieb Show (laughs) on Twitter. Twitter at How About a Fresca. We have more on Odell Beckham and a big night in the National Football League. Jets, Giants, just part and the tip of the icebergs next on Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You are becoming a human beatboxer. You are enjoying I it. I like this song. I like this show. I'm, I'm fired up to do it. You call You call into the show. We just heard. You well, call in and, and part of it is and tell Dan is, that he's eighty five years old. <laughs> it's one. It's one of those. Dan does this. It's part of that. Part of me saying like you're twice my age. That's one of those things that that Dan will do when he's talking to you, right? Where he'll give you a compliment and then he give you a dig at the same time. So I learned that from him. It's really like this is, and for for people who don't uh, know, Jason, me, Dan, we were all together over the other place, but also so we're. All those other guys, right? Like I know Todd forever. I'm Fritzy, I've known forever. Fritzy's the best. And I used to fill in for Dan, obviously over there. And then uh, Polly Pabst. I mean, he was great. Seton, I've known Seton since he started working in the business before he had any of these tattoos. <laughs> and so, you know, a chance to 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 do this again. It's it's pretty awesome. Oh, spending this week with you has been great. I know, it, I know, you know it has been for you. It's been. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, if you're a bad contractor, uh, Gottlieb at oh. Gottlieb Show. No, you know the funny thing is, to pull back the curtain a little bit, tell you something about, about Dan's show is that there is a thing when we were across the street that whenever 
something happened involving an athlete. Like an athlete said something or did something. And it didn't need to be a star athlete. It wasn't like if, you know, Roger Clemens said it or if Terrell Owens said something. But let's just say there's an athlete who did something that made a headline that you normally wouldn't talk about. You know, the, you know, normally you wouldn't talk about, you know, Ronald Acuna or whatever it is. But, you know, but he's been hot or something like that. The big thing always was if you want him as a guest, you have to get in touch with him or his people within five minutes after a story broke. Because if not... Fritzy, Pat, and they would have, and he, no, I'm sorry, yeah, he's doing Dan Patrick tomorrow morning. Like, it just happened. He just said his thing. Like, I, I remember vividly, Mike Greenwell went crazy over Jose Canseco's book, and he had made these big headlines, I should win the MVP, a uh, year he finished second to whoever it was that won the MVP that was named in the Mitchell Report. And the story came out, it was five minutes old, and I'm like, oh, let's call and get Mike Greenwell. And whoever was producer, my producer said, all right, yeah, I'll call him. 15 minutes later, he, you know, he's all right, I'm, I'm going to call Mike Greenwell. Great, yeah, get him on, get him on. And uh, I called Mike Greenwell and said, yeah, no, he's doing Dan Patrick tomorrow morning. I go, the story, the story, his story's 15 minutes old and he's already booked on Dan Patrick. Right, and the way it worked was also, like, if Dan Patrick had him, nobody else could have him. And then Scott Shapiro, who's our boss here, was the Boy Wonder producer and booker uh, for Mike and Mike. So now you had Dan's show and Mike and Mike both with super producers booking against one another. And if any of them had him, you couldn't get anybody. We're like, come on, man. <laughs> like, really? It's in the guest coordinator. It's in the guest coordinator. Yeah, the I guest got it co- first. I got it first. And again, this is, like, this is way inside the Beltway knowledge, but the guest coordinator was basically, it was like a, a running Excel spreadsheet. Right. Right. To which once you said, you know, once you said you got him, he's like, I got him. It's my client. <laughs> It's like realtors fighting over the listing, you know? I got this. It's my listing. It's my listing. If you show it, you got to call me, and I got to show the house. <laughs> See, I was thinking more Bob Sugar and Jerry Maguire when they were fighting over when Jay Moore's on the phone. You're going to stay. Yes! Yeah, they're all giving each other high fives, and the phone is just going off for Jerry Maguire. Who was on the phone? Uh, Bob Sugar. No, no, no. The other one? Uh, yeah, keep going. Jerry Maguire? Was, no. Oh, who was yeah. Bob Sugar? No. Oh, I, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. All right. <laughs> This is for the podcast after the show inside the Dan Patrick show. Did you, did you, how much of last night's Browns Eagles preseason game did you watch? I watched the first three quarters. I think, I think I turned off somewhere right around the end of the third quarter. That's when other thing, when I realized this game is going to end five, nothing. And it did end five. It did end five. Nothing I'm going to see here. No, there's no, it's like Nick Pakai. There's nothing to see here. Uh, there's nothing. To, it was five nothing, and that was going to be. I said, you know what, Nick Pakai. Remember he used to make the picks. Oh, Advantage. he was great, Nick Pakai. Push, push. There yes. are no winners here. Yes, I, was, I, I still run that line. There are no winners here. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, I watched the entire thing. My simple breakdown is: Do you love your kids? I mean, really, you watch the entire game. You yep. watch the entire game. What, even the fourth quarter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I watched the entire thing, and and my 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 takeaway was was. Uh, both offensive lines were putrid. Both defensive lines were outstanding. Nick Foles l- looked like a backup quarterback more than a starting quarterback. Like it was like, how quickly can Carson Wentz get back healthy? And I thought Baker Mayfield. Some of the issues with Baker Mayfield, as um, Troy Aikman was effuse in his praise of Baker, but some of the issues with him in terms of his arm strength, ability to see down the field, kind of got exposed a little bit. Now it- it's. It's hurt by the fact that he's under duress with an outstanding front seven. And I think it was pointed out by Jason Lockham for it. Here's the problem. Like you replace one guy on an offensive line, one guy. And you're like, oh, that 
that's why he's a backup. You yeah. know, there's just a substantial difference between starter and backup. And remember, this is a Browns team that though they have a lot of talent and they've tried to rework their offensive line and, you know, they had the right tackle go down uh, with an injury last night. Um, it's not like they have the best offensive line and offensive lines are a little bit behind to begin with. But it was not a well-played game from the offensive standpoint for either side. But boy, did Nick Foles struggle. And it it's one of those deals to which we all fell in love with Nick Foles because of how well he played against Minnesota, how well he played in the Super Bowl. We, we do forget not just how poorly he played with the Rams, but when he first got the job in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz and he was running Carson Wentz's offense, it was bad. It was not good. It was not good at all. And you start to understand that no one knows you better than yourself and Nick Foles didn't want to go anywhere else to be the long-term starter for a reason because he looks like a backup quarterback. Look, Nick Foles is someone, and and we'll get to Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield in a couple seconds. Nick Foles is a guy who the image of him is a little bit misconstrued. People think, okay, he's a guy that can be thrown in and play great at a moment's notice. Well, if that really was the case, he would still be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He had that big run beginning of the Chip Kelly era. He had that year of 27 touchdowns and two picks. And Nick Foles, look at this. Look look what they can do in Philadelphia. And then what happened? He came back to earth. He lost his job. He got traded. He meandered around the NFL. He was never going to start again. And then he hits a great moment in time last year in the playoffs with the Eagles. They were a machine. He came in. There was no tape on him with this offense running the way it was. They varied their play calling. They ran a lot of different things that you didn't see them run earlier in the season. Doug Peterson, a phenomenal job in getting what he got out of Nick Foles. But you have to realize that was a moment in time for Nick Foles. Like Joe Flacco, who's been okay for most of his career, had his moment in time in the playoffs. He had three really good games. He had that big touchdown pass to uh, send the game against the Broncos to overtime when he threw the ball 10 miles in the air, and he got paid because of that. He had that one great moment. This is a little bit different, but this is still Nick Foles had his one shining moment. He's a great backup that if he needs to come in and play for a couple of weeks, there's many guys you could do really worse with. You're very happy if Nick Foles is your back, if they can come in and do things for a couple weeks. But to think he's going to be a starter and continue level of excellence, that's just not who he is. Well, I, I can tell you exactly who he is. Um, look, you and I, we, we joke and you send me, you send me texts all the time about when I say, when I, we have this, that's baseball, right? When things oh, that's baseball. Yeah. in baseball, when things can't be explained, like it makes absolutely no sense. You're like, that's baseball. Mm-hmm. That's what baseball does. Like, no, 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 you don't yeah. get it. Cause you don't watch every game of baseball. <laughs> that's the baseball, the arrogant baseball a-hole says that's, that's baseball. That's baseball. Right. Um, I'm going to use that exact same statement to say... Wait a minute, I just say that's baseball to you. You call me an arrogant... Okay. No, you're oh, doing right. it tongue-in-cheek. Oh, okay. Baseball, that's, that's baseball. baseball guy, if you try and... Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how did Matt Kemp go from... Go from probably not going to be on the Dodgers roster to first half All-Star, and then all of a sudden, of course, he's come back down to earth. But, like, the first half of the season, like, I don't get the Matt Kemp thing. He's been bad ever since he got a big contract going back five years ago. He's a serious decline. Well, that's baseball. That's baseball. It's baseball, right? Well, one CNI ground ball a week, and all of a sudden, look at your average. Um, that's baseball. I, I think this is the, the Nick Foles story is, hey, that's sports, right? What was the kid's name who played for Michigan in the Final Four, and then he played for Purdue? Uh God, why am I, why I forget? And he comes, came in in the first half, and he got into foul trouble. Uh, and uh, when um, 
when Michigan's starting point guard in the national championship game got into foul trouble. And he came in and replaced him. And he had 17 in the first half against Louisville. And it's one of those stories to which you're sitting there going like, this doesn't make any sense at all. And then later on, he ended up transferring to Purdue. I think two years ago, he played at Purdue. What's the, uh, man, Spike Albrecht. Remember Spike Albrecht? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. That one moment to which Spike Albrecht, who was going to go to Brown, was going to go to Brown, ends up going to Michigan. And for that one half in the national championship game, he has 17 points. And you're like, wow, it's one of the incredible, you mentioned one shining moment. That was his shining moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And look, he had a nice career. He graduated from Michigan. He ends up transferring and going to Purdue, finished out at Purdue, and achieved far more than he ever could have dreamed of. But for that one half, dude, it was unbelievable, right? That's sports. Like, sports sometimes give you this inexplicable. Nick Foles was out of football, and then he's a Super Bowl MVP. And I, I, I know Nick Foles a little bit personally. I play basketball. He's actually a very good basketball player. Um, he wants to come off the bench, though. He doesn't want to start. No, no, no. That's oh, okay. yeah, a great line. <laughs> great line. Like he's a good human being, and I love the grace, the grace by which he carries himself, the understanding for where he was, and what his story is, and the power of that story. But let's be honest: that spike, that inexplicable spike in the playoffs, the timing of the talent around him, the talent on the coaching staff, the fact you don't have a book on him. His confidence went from de- from down in the dumps to an all time high, like that's sport. That's the beauty of sports, which is this guy's a Super Bowl MVP. Now, suddenly you get back, you're like, oh yeah, he's Nick Foles. He's, he's okay. He's not not great. You get to him, you make a move, especially to his left. I mean, it's a bad decision. Like last night, he was he he wasn't he wasn't backup. He didn't look like a backup quarterback could miss throws. He was just bad. He looked rattled there. He fell down in the first half, cost him a sa- safety, threw a couple of awful interceptions. I mean, if you want to tell me that guy was a Super Bowl MVP going back into February or January, whenever the Super Bowl was played, I, was, I forgot the ex- that was really remarkable. But that's that's sports, just like in that's baseball. The inexplicable you explain with that sports is that a guy who is really more of a career backup had the one year, twenty nine touchdowns, two interceptions, falls out of favor, falls out of the league, comes back, wins the Super Bowl MVP, and now comes back down to earth. A sports. Well, and the other thing too is, is you kind of alluded to it a little bit, is that when you have a great image about you that hypes up who you are as a player because you you have this inherent I want to see this guy succeed and Nick Foles has done most of his career with a lot of class you know the whole handshake thing with Tom Brady any quarterback could have said oh, screw that guy look what these guys he couldn't come shake my hand he would have had every right to say that but instead it was it's no big deal I love Tom we'll shake hands he's got a great image they call him Saint Nick in Philadelphia, and yeah. and that always helps when you say, okay, yeah, Nick Foles, and you you judge and you think he's better than he is. When realize if he had a more prickly personality, if he was like a Baker Mayfield type, you'd have a lot of people go, no, this guy stinks. We got to get back to Carson Wentz. Got to get back here. But because he enjoys that type of image, we, well, here's Nick Foles, great story, great guy, great image, says the right things, teammates love. Yeah, oh yeah, he's great. No, really, this is who he is. But it's it's also yes, it's also the power of those big moments. The the David Freeze the David Freeze in the World Series, mm-hmm. you know, down to your last strike, you're the St. Louis Cardinals moments, right? Those moments are one, so many people watch, but two, we we overvalue them as opposed to what you do the entirety of your career is who you actually are. 
Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. Now, Dan Patrick has teamed up with Full Sail University to launch the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. It's an accelerated bachelor's degree designed to teach you all aspects of sportscasting from in front of the camera to behind the camera to podcasting and radio and everything in between, especially like how good your hair needs to look. You can choose to earn your degree online or on Full Sail's campus in Orlando, Florida. Very special behind the scenes tour coming up on Sunday, September 9th. If you're serious, about getting into sportscasting. I think it's going to be a great event for you to check out. To learn more about the behind-the-scenes tour on September 9th or about the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, go to fullsale.edu slash danpatrick. That's fullsale.edu slash danpatrick. We have another big moment of controversy from last night's game coming up next as well as a big change to the NBA. This is Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith and Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. My show heard nights here on Fox 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug, 12 to 3 Pacific during the day. And uh, we got more NFL coming up in a second. But a big change could be coming, most likely coming, to the NBA, according to reports in the last 24 hours, the NBA's Board of Governors going to pass some rule changes for the 2018-2019 season. Now, a couple of them are a little bit inside baseball. Hey, that's baseball. Uh, they're going to simplify the clear path foul rule and expand the definition of the hostile act that can more easily trigger instant replay. But the big one is that the shot clock, after an offensive rebound, instead of resetting to 24 seconds, mm-hmm is going to reset to 14 seconds. So, offensive team takes a shot, it's a miss, rebound the ball, instead of 24, it goes back and you have 14 seconds to get your shot off. Ostensibly, this will help scoring, this will help the end of games and and keep them a little bit more in doubt because how many times have we seen, all right, here's a shot, you didn't get the rebound, so you have to foul, it's going to be a couple of free throws, then you go down, shoot a three, you have to foul. So the NBA hoping this is going to improve uh, the end of games when it comes to that. You like this, not like it? Love, love. I, I got a chance, I coached in uh, in Israel last summer. Coached, a, it's called the Maccabi Games, it's like the Jewish Olympics. And you did your show from there. I did. I did 10 shows from yeah. to, uh, like five from Tel Aviv, five from Jerusalem. What time was it when you were doing Ten? those shows? Oh, okay. Nine. All right. Oh, so it wasn't that bad. Okay. No, it wasn't, wasn't that All bad. Right. Um, anyway, so I, I this, it's a, you look, I, when I played in Europe, I didn't like some of the rules, but their rules have evolved to almost mirror ours. They, they don't have the trapezoid lane now. Now they have the wide NBA lane. They don't have quite the NBA length three point line, but it's pretty close. It's much closer than it used to be. It's the same, I believe, on the sides as our corner threes. Up top, it's almost as long. But but this this rule is great. I mean, it is it's awesome. It completely changes the way in which you play um, offensively when you get an offense uh, get an offense board. Like you get it, you can't pull it back out and set something up. You you get an offensive rebound, you got to get a shot up and. It just makes it more exciting. It makes I think it'll actually help stats as well. It's like one of those things that'll artificially induce more possessions, more scoring, more shots on goal, if you will. This is a really good rule change. But it's one that, that they've had in the G League, um, kind of experimentally. They've had, and of course, it's a mirror of what FIBA does. And it's one of the rules that FIBA does that, that has worked and worked for the better. And their scoring is up as opposed to their scoring used to be way down. And um, 
and I think it's really, really good. See, yeah, this is anything that sparks scoring and helps the end of games get better. Because we saw during the playoffs last year, what was what was the big thing we saw from top to bottom? How many close games were there? Not a lot. Now, sometimes there's not a lot you can do about games that are 20-point blowouts, no matter what you see. We saw a lot of that. But those games that are now you know, seven-point games or, or six-point games or two-possession games at the end, they can become a little bit more exciting. Or even the one-possession games as you get time down to the uh, end. I, wait, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand how you're – like, do, do I think the math is going to be different as to when you foul and when you don't foul? No, no, no. You, what, what actually, I mean is still a 24-second shot yeah, clock. No, no. What I mean is so a 24-second shot clock, it's a two-possession game, or let's just, say, let's just let's say a team's up by five. Okay. And 24 seconds, you miss a shot, but you get the rebound. Now, 10 more seconds aren't taken off the clock, so that's going to allow the potential for more offense for the other team to hit a couple of shots to, to, to bring you back. It's going to stop a team from milking more time off the clock. A team, now we have to go foul because that's 10 seconds we don't have. That's going to slow down the end of a game. Then we're at the free throw line. It becomes a battle of free throws, which is what the NBA doesn't want. This is going to kind of juice up uh, the, yeah, end I, of, I don't, the end I, of games for a little bit more excitement. Yes, I mean, I get technically, right? But if you're down five and you hit a three, you're still they still have 24 seconds to hold on to the basketball. Right. And then if you get a rebound, what it will do is I think you'll see, and, and this is already kind of the case with the Warriors, what the Warriors do is kind of a copy of what Duke did, and the Duke actually kind of took it, took the idea really from, from Davidson when Steph Curry was there, which is you get an offensive rebound. If you don't have a layup, you kick out and you try and get a three. And Davidson, they used to call them daggers. They practiced them. Duke practiced them. The Warriors practiced them. If you watch when the Warriors get a three-point shot, they almost always, if they don't have a layup, they kick it out and they shoot an immediate three. You'll see a lot of this throughout the NBA. Other people have done, other people do it. I'm just telling you, the Warriors are among the best at it. Part of it is they have some of the best shooters. But um, the way in which the court is spaced uh, allows for you know one, what's called you, know, you run to a rebound. You know now you got big guys that they're starting out, even if they're not shooters. You know the Clint Capellas of the world, because you're rolling to a to a dunk or rolling to a rebound. And then everybody else is spaced out around the three-point line. You get an offensive board. If you don't have a dunk, you're going to kick it out for a three. I would guess you'll see a couple more threes taken a game because of this rule. See, you know what I'd like to see, too, is the, the Elam ending that the basketball tournament no. is, uh, is using now. Because that's, no. been, that's been kind of fun. I got to say, it's like fun. That. Now, it, the, it's, the Elam for, ending, to, to explain what yes. it is, the Elam ending is an idea that, that a middle school teacher came up with. He did a lot of analytics as far as basketball games have gone over the past like 10, 12 years. He came up with this idea of how to make the end of basketball games more competitive and more fun. And the basketball tournament, which is you see it every year, teams, you know, team up to play for, you know, two million dollars. Teams that affiliated with one school will send some of their best former players to go. Bayheim's Army plays for Syracuse. They lost to Travis Diener in a big game this year when suddenly Diener's hitting three after three after three after three. And the way they end games is is that when the clock hits four minutes, instead of saying we're going to play another four minutes, they add seven points to the team's total who is ahead. So let's say that the score is 50 to 45. When it's a four-minute warning, they add seven points and say first team to 57 wins. So what that does is that takes away from a lot of the fouling, stoppage of plays, teams have to hit shots. You can have a walk-off basically every single time in a game, which is really exciting, and that has made at least the endings in the basketball tournament more fun. You know, say, okay, now you got to get to 57. Here's a game-ending shot because, look, we all go crazy for for buzzer beaters. It's, it, you know, it's what makes, you know, headlines all the time in basketball, whether it's tournament or NBA. Could you ever see them no. putting that in even to to just I, – I, let me finish the question. 
Can you ever see them putting it in preseason in the NBA or in the summer league just to test it out, just to see? Now go ahead. Mm, maybe an all-star game or something, something like that to just to wrap this thing. Right, let's just get this thing done. Time score, possession, all, all like that's how basketball is taught. It's all part of the the only sport that doesn't have you know a clock on it is baseball, and yeah, playing playing to a score, especially one that's pliable like the Elaman ending. I just it obviously it does it rewards you if you have a lead at the four minute mark. It, it, it's a massive reward if you have a large lead at the four minute mark. And then of course, what teams would do is it's only at the first stoppage at the four minute mark, so everybody always calls a timeout. Right below, right below four minutes. I think it's great for the basketball tournament. I think it's great for summer leagues. It's great, but but it's not basketball, right? Like let's tr- not let's not try and fix basketball. It's fine. You keep tinker with it, but that completely changes the core of what basketball is about. And knowing how to play with a lead, knowing how to play, understanding the math of everything. And and look, this is gonna the new NBA rule. It will change some of the math of when you foul. Most of the math remain will remain the same. But understanding the math of it is is going to be is a big part of what it takes to have a high basketball IQ. I don't see that ever happening in a, in a real basketball game, summer league, NBA summer league. No, because they seem like they're okay with tinkering with rules. I mean, but that's talk- not tinkering. That's a massive change. Well, I mean, like like let, letting see how it works in the preseason or in in like I said in the G League or in in summer league or somewhere like that. It seems like at least that's the one thing Adam Silver seems to have an idea for us. Okay, let's always well, we want to make sure the game doesn't get too stale. We we always listen to to fans. We you know, we want to make sure we continue to capitalize on on the the image that we have right now. The NBA is even more of a year-round league than the NFL is right now. So we want to make sure we capitalize on that. So they seem to be okay with saying, "Hey, we'll try things." I mean, I don't think you're going to see the big ice cube rock and jock, you know, 20-point shot, although that would be pretty cool. That would help the Knicks a lot. I don't think you'll see that, but I think you will see stuff like this. I mean, look, when I played in the ABA, it was a minor league, and it was a really talented one. They had a rule to which if you got a steal in the backcourt or if you stole a ball, that a pass that started in the backcourt, you got an extra point. So a three would be worth four, a two would be worth three. And as soon as you get a steal, all of a sudden the scoreboard had lights around it and it would light up. Uh, almost like NBA Jam when you're on a, he's on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get and, that? you know, everybody wanted to, like, you get a steal and guys be like, yeah, they try to get it because you get an extra point. <laughs> That's fun. It's fun. It's just not going to be in the NBA. Not going to do the NBA. Twitter at how about. By, by, by the way, yeah. Vegas wouldn't be very happy with the Elam ending. Oh, no, probably not. Yeah, they would, they, 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 but they would find a way. I mean, I think Vegas would find a way. They yeah. always find a way. They might not be their favorite thing in the world, but they would find a way around it. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show, The Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith and Doug in for Dan from the Mercedes-Benz Studios. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Well, we got a big night in the National Football League to look ahead to, and we had one game last night with a lot of drama coming out of it. Eagles and the Browns in a 5 nothing battle. Hope you had the under. Uh, we talked about Nick Foles and how below average he looked, and then last night we watched Terod Taylor play, hurt his left hand, come out of the game, get examined, and Hugh Jackson put him back in the game. Now, Doug and I on opposite sides of this debate. I said you got to sit him out if he's injured because it's the third week of the preseason. Doug says, hey, put him back in. He wants to be a leader, wants to not lose his starting I, I, job. I didn't say put him back in. He clearly wanted to go back in. Sure, but if you're Hugh Jackson, you could say – I know you want to go back in, but you need to sit because I'm looking out for the the best of this football team. 
Yeah, but uh, like Tyrod Taylor says, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm going back in. This is a it's my team moment. That's what I believe it is. And I, I totally understand. What was it? Was it Nick Hardwick who used to play for the, the Chargers who tweeted out that uh, Hugh Jackson was hey, five, w- winning a preseason game is not winning the Super Bowl just because mm-hmm. against Super Bowl champions is yeah. not winning the Super Bowl. Like it, remember, we're talking about the Browns. The Browns are trying to change their culture, right? They're trying to change the culture and the cult- changing a culture from a culture of losing where losing is not just accepted but almost expected. One win in two years. That's why that win, every win is important for Hugh Jackson. And every player who wants to play in the preseason, in the regular season, through a little nick, a little injury, a little twist, that's a a culture changer. And that's the sign of leadership. That's why Tyrod Taylor is on this team and why he's the starting quarterback, however long it lasts. Joining us now on the hotline for more on this, Bucky Brooks, NFL Network analyst. You can check him out this Sunday, Fox Sports Radio, noon to 3 Eastern, alongside Kelvin Washington. Bucky, where are you on uh, Tyrod Taylor going back, or Tyrod Taylor going back in the game last night? Uh, I mean, I think both you guys are kind of right in your assessments. You like to see the head coach hold him out. But make no mistake, Tyrod Taylor is looking out for his own self-interest and making sure that he remains the starting quarterback of the team. Everyone who has played sports understands the, the funny feeling that you get when someone is playing in your spot. Yep. You don't want to be out of the lineup too long because you don't want the coaching staff to get comfortable with that other guy playing. With the buzz building around Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield being the number one overall pick, you're Tyrod Taylor, you're already fighting an uphill battle. You don't want to give him any additional opportunity to take your job. That's why Tyrod Taylor made it a point to go back in that game. He wants to make Baker have to take the job from him, not to get it for an injury that allows him to get into the starting lineup. And then the coach steps aside. You know what? This works. We're gonna go with it. Yeah, you know what? And and Baker hadn't gotten to play with the ones either, right? Right? Like you're not you're not you're driving my car around. Uh, you know what? We don't we don't want a Ricky Bobby situation here where you know where he hops in the hops in the car, doesn't know what to do with his hands, but ends up in in, in checkers. Bucky Brooks joining us here on the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, were the offensive lines that bad or the defensive lines that good? Uh, no, I mean, like, the third preseason game is when everyone kind of brings their A game. It's when everyone decides to kind of blitz and come after you and do all the fancy stuff. And we saw from the Cleveland Browns, man, Greg Williams was dropping the hammer when it came to sending pressure and doing all those things. And so the offensive line, the offense is always a little slower to jail than defense in preseason. I thought what you saw were two really good game plans, two what I think can be two really good defenses kind of getting after it, and I think the results played out on the field. Buck, a couple of things we're going to see over the course of the next couple of days are teams sitting their regulars. Todd Gurley is not going to play in the preseason. He said it's a player's dream. Uh, many guys want to get hit in the preseason. I'm not one of them. And the Packers taking on the Raiders are going to sit their entire offense so you're not going to get any reps in a game that normally you see guys play at least on first half and into the third quarter. Uh, what do you make of these decisions? Well, a couple of different teams have changed the landscape of preseason football. One, we've seen more teams participate in joint practices. Joint practices are a way to basically get preseason game work without some of the risks that come with it. Because when you have a joint practice, you still do uh, teamwork, 11-on-11 drills, inside run period. But because the coaches ultimately have the whistle, they can blow it up before people get hurt. They can blow it up before the quarterback gets hit. It's a more controlled and player-friendly environment 
for the coaches. So now when we get into the preseason games, you still can have people play, but you can hold up your starters. You can still work on the X and O's things that you want to see on film, but you don't have to put your players at risk. We all know the preseason, it doesn't count, but it does matter. And the most important goal for every team is to get to the regular season healthy. You're seeing teams take calculated risks by saying, I would rather our guys not maybe get as much live work, but get to the regular season healthy. We'll figure it out when we get to the regular season how to get them up to speed. Uh but Buck, I'm 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 really intrigued, really intrigued by how poorly Nick Foles played last night. Um, is this Nick Foles, the real Nick Foles, emerging, or is this just one bad night? No, I mean this guy is who he is. Like after a while, everyone kind of has a resume, and I mean you kind of are what your record is. Look, he had that great year under Chip Kelly, where he had 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's never really reached that level again. So you have to believe that he's probably a mid-level quarterback, a backup quarterback, maybe a high QB2, but he's not a starter. What Doug Peterson and those guys did during the playoffs, they did a great job of scheming it up and putting him in a situation to be successful. And really, if you looked at the tape, I promise you, they ran four plays over and over and over and over. And Nick Foles was successful because he was doing things that was in his wheelhouse. If you play him too long, he eventually gets exposed. All of those backup quarterbacks have a shelf life. You can't put them out there too much. And I think we could see the same thing happen with Case Keenum when it goes to the Denver Broncos as well. Oh, you mentioned Case Keenum, and Jason brought this up earlier, the idea that the Broncos should go out and make a move for a, for a Teddy Bridgewater. My thought is, look, I think we all agree on what Case Keenum is. And that got exposed, for example, um, in the NFC Championship game. If you watch Case Keenum enough going back to Houston all six years there or everywhere he's bounced around like he's a cable backup cable being a starter there's some size issues some arm strength issues some athleticism issues that that do rear rear its head at inopportune times but if you commit to a guy for two years even if not for huge money do you in the preseason go and and make a trade for a dead Bridgewater no I don't think the Broncos will make a trade for him because Man, that would be a double whammy for John Elway. I mean, he would have struck out on Paxton Lynch. He would have struck out on the marquee free agent signing. He has to at least let this play out a little bit before they do anything at the quarterback position. They're locked in two years, $36 million, 18 per, which is now, based on the salaries, right for an average quarterback. But I do believe some of the stuff that we've seen in the preseason with Case Keenan, like that's who he is. I believe he was elevated with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and the job that Pat Shermer did. And I think it's going to eventually play out. They can hide him for a little bit, but I don't know if they have enough weapons around him to make him play the way that he played for most of the season in Minnesota. And I think it also lets you know why Mike Zimmer was slow to endorse him as a starting quarterback in Minnesota. See, I think you can go get Teddy Bridgewater because, remember, he also whiffed on Mark Sanchez and Brock Osweiler. So it's it's like, like a bunch of guys he's missed on, on Buck. You know, it's not like it's just one or two. It's like, yes, we miss on that's fine. I miss on guys all the time. I mean, true. He, he, I mean, that's part of being an executive. Look, if you're hitting 500, you're doing a pretty good job as an executive, as a scout in the league. But you do have to wonder, man, they cannot get this quarterback thing right. And maybe Case will eventually uh, kind of right his woes and become the guy that they expect him to become. But they don't have a quarterback. They haven't had a quarterback. And we can kind of dance around it and talk about, like, you can win without a quarterback. But it makes it very, very hard to win when you don't have a dude under center. We'll see if the Broncos can find a way to kind of scheme it up, 
Jimmy it up to allow him to play at a high level. But right now, through the first couple games of the preseason, it doesn't really look good. And I worry about the Broncos because without a quarterback and without a dependable running game, I don't know if that defense can carry them to make them a viable option in the AFC West. But kind of quickly here, there's some buzz around the Chargers, buzz around the Rams, buzz obviously around the Patriots. We saw the Saints. Uh, Packers, I think, have reworked some things. Give, give me the team that you think there should be more buzz about uh, about in terms of their talent and how they look to you when you watch them early on this preseason. Uh, you can't uh, judging by the results, but I think the team that you have to watch would be the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons have everything that you could possibly want uh, for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. you got an MVP-level quarterback. you got skill, weapons galore with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, two running backs in Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, and you have a young athletic defense that can absolutely get after it. The Atlanta Falcons, to me, are one of the teams that could emerge in the NFC, and they could be right in the mix to go back to the Super Bowl after going just a couple seasons ago. You can follow him on Twitter, at Bucky Brooks. That is at Bucky Brooks, NFL Network analyst. You can check him out this Sunday, Fox Sports Radio, noon to 3 Eastern, alongside Kelvin Washington. Buck, have fun, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you. All right, there goes Bucky Brooks right there. Uh, you know, the, the thing about missing out on quarterbacks is that John Elway has such a cachet because he won the Super Bowl, and he's John Elway. That I mean, really, how many executives can miss this many times on a quarterback and people just not go, oh, this guy's got to be done, he's gone. He's, I mean, he's, he's missed on four guys who's bringing to be starting, and now who knows what you're going to get with Case Keenum. Did they win a Super Bowl? That's what I mean. He won. He won a Super Bowl. They, they won a Super Bowl, and they were a dominant team. And trying to replace a Peyton Manning has been it's really hard. I mean, like, look, the Miami Dolphins have been searching ever since Dan Marino walked out the door to try and find another quarterback. So it's not. It's it. We act like it's super easy. Name me the Bears' starting quarterback the last thirty years. You're like that guy was awesome. Our image of Jim McMahon is Rex awesome. Grossman was okay. Sorry. Right. So so the the point is, I like. Look, I get it. Especially when you're a quarterback, you're supposed to know what a what a great quarterback looks like. Some of it is he wasn't drafting in the top five of the draft, right? The good ones are at the top five of the draft. Now, there have been other guys, the Derek Carrs of the world, that have slipped down that, that they did miss on, the Teddy Bridgewaters that they did miss on. And he went with Brock Osweiler because he was his son's best friend at Arizona, and roommate at Arizona State. That's kind of a flawed way to look at it, like, oh, this is the guy I should pay attention to. Um, but it, it's harder than you think. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick from Mercedes-Benz Studio. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Coming up next, how important is it to talk about football if you don't watch football? Can you still do it as a job? Well, we got a big controversy. We'll get into that coming up next right here, Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Continental Tire wants you to arrive to the game safely, so they remind you to take five minutes at the beginning of every month to check your tire pressure. Look in your vehicle's owner's manual for proper inflation pressure, and make sure to check your tires when they're cold. Proper inflation can save you money and headaches down the road. And don't forget the spare. For more information, visit ContinentalTire.com. So, do you have to watch football to talk about football? Something that's become a, a bit of a, a big story in the last 24 hours. Uh, Michelle Beadle who is one of the hosts on, on ESPN's Get Up, in the middle of a conversation about the NFL yesterday and, and, and football, talking about Urban Meyer, uh, let it slip that she no longer watches football for reasons like what we saw with Urban Meyer a day ago. 
There's a reason why this will be the second season I don't watch NFL, and I don't spend my Saturdays watching college football either. I believe that the sport of football has set itself up to be in a position where it shows itself in the bigger picture to not really care about women. They don't really care about people of color, but we won't get into that for NFL either. But as a woman, I feel like a person who has been marginalized, and every single one of these stories that comes out every single time pushes me further and further away. So she makes points about not watching the NFL, and this torch has been picked up by many who have said, you know, do you need to watch football to talk about football? I can't believe you know, they were very happy being partners with the NFL that here's somebody on television saying, I don't watch the NFL. Uh, do you need to watch football to talk about it? You think? I think a little bit. Not, not like a only, tiny bit. Not, not only do you need to watch it, you can never say what she said. Uh, for, like, listen, the idea, let, let's kind of walk backwards to it. And I like Beads. Okay, I've worked with her. She's very, very talented. She's smart. She's funny. She's a good hang. Um, it was, it was a dumb series of statements. And if it's true, I mean, I, I don't know how she performs over the next six months when that's the, like, listen, when you come into this business, we were both hired by the same guy at ESPN radio. Mm-hmm. And I remember that my first year, he was like, uh, he was like, all right, good, good. I got good feedback and bad feedback. He's like, all right, what's the bad? He's like, ah, you came out of basketball. You need to know more about baseball. This is back in 2003 when baseball really mattered. What's the good? You'll never have to talk about hockey again. <laughs> football. Do you know football? You know, big name basketball and then big event baseball and other stuff in Tiger Woods. That's kind of all you need in, in this, in, in, in national radio. So, yeah, now the idea that they don't care about people of color, I mean, 70% of the NFL is black. I, I find that. Should, should there be more African-American head coaches and executives? Yes, the number continues to grow, and it should grow even with a glass ceiling has been broken a long time ago. Um, I mean, like, look, the, the, the more you dig into the Urban Meyer stuff, the more you sit there and go, like, look, you can be against domestic violence, but there are no charges of domestic violence against anybody in this. this, this it, it, it does have to... So, but... Going back to what she said, yeah, it's kind of indefensible. Um, this is a, the, there was a mistake to say it, even if it's true. Because now when she's talking about a football topic or a football game, and granted, it's not her job to analyze it, but she will be talking about the big stories, you have to watch football. But she admitted she didn't watch last year either. But nobody knew that. It's admitting saying, right. I don't watch football. Right. That Look, immediately know, hurts your credibility. I think no matter what you think, if it's right or not, it hurts your credibility. Well, I, I know. Well, there's, wasn't it Steve Young? There's a GQ article out about him that he didn't watch. He didn't watch NFL football, right? Like, I do know that there are guys in this business that watch a lot less than they should watch considering the job that they do have. And there are other guys that watch everything. Like, literally, every, like I thought Troy Aikman last night. Uh, I think Troy Aikman's going to have the best year he's ever had as a broadcaster because he did the NFL draft. And he kept referencing guys that evaluated him for the draft. The the draft makes you prepare. It's one of the reasons that I feel like I've been able to cover the NBA so well or is because I've done the draft and I've done college basketball for so long. It's one of the things that's always helped me for the NFL now is I've done enough of college football and go I go to a college football game or two a year and I have friends that are college football coaches that it ends up preparing you for now when a guy's in the NFL is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew he couldn't play at all, just the NFL. Anyway, I, I can't believe that you could, do, you could do this job without watching football. And also, look, you can look at any part of life and find bad people and find bad things that are going on. And certainly yeah. when bad things happen in sports, they gain a lot of the headlines. But one Urban Meyer story, there are 300 schools that we did not hear anything really bad about yesterday. 
And does this mean you don't go to movies anymore? The Me Too movement is a very big deal. Many people in Hollywood That's a great losing point. their careers because of what you don't go to movies anymore? No, of course you still go to movies. Right. You don't go to movies, you don't want to go see a Kevin Spacey movie. He just had a movie come out that made 120 bucks its first week because of what he admitted and the Me Too movement because of it. I think. 100, Sorry, 126. 26, want to yeah. give him credit for that guy who walked in, you know, and didn't know where he was going. So I mean, you can you can find that's a way. A great, that's a great well, uh, your your point was a great point. Bad ways in everything. Yes. Twitter at how about a fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. We have more from the NFL coming up next. Can you really pay Odell Beckham Jr.? We debate it. This is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Today's show brought to you by the 2018 Mercedes-Benz GLC 300 SUV. High performance meets higher intelligence. Test drive one today. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick today. Get it on Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. My show heard nights here on Fox, 8 to 11 Pacific, Doug 12 to 3 Pacific. And we have a big day of the NFL coming up. We have the all important week three of the preseason, unless you're the Packers and you're not going to play any starters or the Rams, you're not going to play Todd Gurley. But for everybody else, it's a very important week three of the preseason. And um, I think a couple guys failed their week three test. Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick, didn't look ready for, for prime time. As he got an opportunity to play with the ones last night, when Terod Taylor briefly left the game uh, with a what what I would guess is a sprain left wrist. Now we're going to get into the uh, Odell Beckham situation coming up in a couple of minutes. But here's the thing about Baker Mayfield: why he's going to get put in before he's ready. Tyrod Taylor or Terod Taylor, you, you can you can go either way. I think you're you're okay either one. I mean, because he was Tyrod Taylor all the way up until a couple days ago. So Tyrod Terod, you can go that way. Taylor's a good quarterback. We talked about him earlier in the show. He does a lot of things. His intangibles are very good. He's not going to win any passing championships. He's not going to suddenly put up all kinds of stats, but he's going to make good throws. He's going to get out of trouble and use his legs, and he's not going to turn the football over. He, he's a he's a good – what would you characterize a good quarterback as? Like if there's 32 teams. 32 teams in the NFL. I would say a good quarterback would be someone like – I would say Alex Smith is a good quarterback. I'd say he's good. Alex Smith is a is three, four times better quarterback than Terod Taylor. Right. He's a good so but Terod Taylor would be a He's a serviceable backup who could be a starter. Sure. He's, and he's an excellent leader and he's a all the things you said, like he doesn't have pinpoint accuracy, he doesn't have great size. He's good, he's fine. He's fine. You know what he is? He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. In the in in the grand scheme of things, you know, there's Seven billion people on Earth, and there's 32 starting quarterbacks. <laughs> sure. He's amazing. <laughs> yes, but if right. you say there's 32 starting quarterbacks, there's probably 20, at least 20. I would rather have than yeah. He's a, he's a, he's around an average quarterback. He's a get by. That's he's not a average bridge quarterback. No, he's a, like if I could say who would who would you want Terod Taylor or whoever a team is going to trot out there. There's a handful, probably a third of the league, where I would say I would go with Terod Taylor over who you have. Okay, I would. I, he's in that bottom third, but I'm 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 with you. Okay, now proceed. The, the thing is with him is that Baker Mayfield's going to play before he's ready because he's the number one pick. That's right. it. He's also, but no, he's the number he, one pick. That's but it. Is he ready? He's not ready, but he will go in 
because what's going to happen is it's not like Terod Taylor is going to lead the Browns to a bunch of points. It's not like suddenly you're going to see he's going to throw three touchdowns a week, he runs for two. I mean, I've seen him have big games with the Bills, but Taylor would be better serviced on a team where they have better talent around him and he can he can make more of an impact. He's not going to be someone that creates points. Wait, I, so I, you're thought, get... I thought they have a bunch of talent in Cleveland. I'm, I'm told like this is the best <laughs> wide receiving core in the league. Jarvis Landry, who will catch 80 passes for... 85 yards. No, he's not that great. It's not that dynamic. They need they need Jarvis Landry's pretty good. Jarvis Landry is he's average. I see I'm I, he's I'm, not average. I think, I think he's overrated. He doesn't he's not a downfield he's not, threat. He's not overrated. He's overrated by by who? By, I, I think he's overrated. Well, as, so what, as his impact what, what, as a wide receiver. What is his rating? Like how do you think he's he's perceived? I would say if Jarvis Landry is your number one wide receiver, you have an average to below average receiving core. If Jarvis Landry is your second best wide receiver, yep. maybe your receiving core is actually pretty good. But Jarvis Landry is not a downfield threat. He's a guy that's going to catch a ball for eight yards. Uh, you know, you look, Jarvis Landry is a hero to PPR players in fantasy football, and I get that. But as far as his impact on the field. It's not that great. He's not a big dynamic player that's going to do things. Josh Gordon could be dynamic, but we just don't know what Josh Gordon looks like on an NFL field because we haven't seen it in however many years. But the idea of Josh Gordon or who Josh Gordon was before the multiple suspensions, and and then Callaway, and then they're pretty good at tight end and talented at running back. Like They got some dudes there. I I don't think this is – they have better talent. I would prefer Jarvis Landry to anybody the Dallas Cowboys have. Oh, the Cowboys have absolutely nobody. Okay. I mean, you have absolutely nobody. I mean, we talked about how, okay, but how like, they're going to be kinda, bad this season. Kinda we talked about how bad they're going to be this year. Go, go through the league, and you'll see there's some rather average-looking... The point is that, look, I he's going to... Baker Mayfield's going to play because he's the number one overall pick. But he's going to play sooner because he's they're the not going to score points. And it's going to be, well, boy, we're only scoring 13, 16, 17 points that, a that week. Doesn't, that doesn't we matter. They, more. Look, as long as they're winning... As long as they're winning and in the playoff hunt, you're not going to have to play them. The second that they are not winning. So October. Huh? So October 1st. Look, I'm not a big believer in, I don't buy the whole Hugh Jackson, this is going to be the greatest turnaround in the history of turnarounds. And like, okay, sure. Um, But I do think that division's a little bit soft. I do think they have uh, a schedule to which um, they, uh, schedule by which they can, they can, they can get some wins. Um, and any win is better than what they were throwing out last year. And I think they have some talent on both sides of football. They got some youth. They got some talent. They weren't terrible last year on offense. Now you put in a viable bottom third of the league, but a legit starting quarterback into Rod Taylor. Like, I think they'll win some games. Like, it's not crazy to think they win six or seven games. I've heard people predicting seven or That's eight games. That's a huge. You go from no wins to seven. I think if you go to, from zero to three, that's a good year. You know, it's interesting you point that out. You know what people always say about uh, Tom Brady? About the, you know, when Tom, that one year Tom Brady missed, they won 11 games. How many did they win the year before he got, when he got hurt? Before he got hurt. Do you remember? 14, right? Uh, I thought that was the year they were undefeated, wasn't it? When they went 16-0, and and then they won, the, they won two he playoff games. He got hurt games. in 2008, right? He got hurt at the beginning of the 2000, no, no, no. Yeah, he got hurt in the beginning of the 2008 season, 2007. Yeah, that was the that was the 16 yeah. no regular so, season. So the idea, like they won 11 games, they won 16 the year before, 16. And oh yeah, by the way, 11 wins didn't get them to the playoffs because they actually in their crossover games had an easier schedule. But the the di- five wins or losses is a massive difference, correct? Yeah. Okay. So it's one of those things to which when we provide it out of context, we say. 
well, you know, five, you know, they won 11 games. Matt Castle won 11 games. Tom Brady with the same team won 16, actually won 18 games. And it took a David Tyree catch against his helmet in order to beat them in the Super Bowl. That's how good the Patriots were. They won 11 games, didn't make the playoffs the year he was gone. Um, I would agree with you that that would be a massive jump. I think it's a five or six win team. I think eventually he starts. But make no mistake about it. He's going to, Baker Mayfield is going to start because he's the number one overall pick. This was the problem with, with Cleveland. Cleveland didn't really want to take a quarterback at one. Remember, they kind of were like, well, kind of the Josh Allen thing is kind of more us, big-armed. He looks like, Josh Allen looks like quarterbacks that have won in the AFC North, doesn't he? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, um, maybe not Andy Dalton, but again, you know, bigger guys. Guys with big arms that can throw in the bad weather. In the bad weather, okay? So when you look, whether it's Bengals, whether it's Ravens and Flacco, um, or whether it's Pittsburgh Steelers with Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, but because they had passed on Carson Wentz the year before, they couldn't pass again. And because Baker Mayfield was kind of a, kind of reminds John Dorsey of Brett Favre, right? Except like four inches smaller and not as good. Mm. Other than that, same guy, just like him, same guy. He's got the RV too. He took him, and the problem with taking a number one quarterback is you're gonna have to play him, and you're gonna have to play him earlier than you want. Fox Sports Radio, The Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Meanwhile, another big NFL topic this morning, the contract situation of Odell Beckham Jr. According to sources, Odell and the Giants are closing in on a deal, and it could happen very soon. We had CBS NFL insider Jason Lockenfora on the show an hour ago, and he said, yeah, you know what? This is going to happen sooner than people think. The Giants never once pretended that he wasn't going to become the highest paid receiver in the game. He's going to make north of $18 million a year. I don't think there's any way around that. It's just a matter of how many of the years are guaranteed. And, you know, there's obviously plenty of contract minutia to get into. But he has every motivation to sign a contract. And once they're north of Antonio Brown, it's getting done. And, yeah, I've thought all along that one gets done before week one. And and I continue to do so. Giving him money is a mistake. Giving Odell Beckham Jr. money and long-term security is a mistake because he's simply not going to change who he is. He is someone who, yes, when he's on the field and plays, his talent is unquestioned. But he's also someone that can't control his emotions, will get you in trouble on the football field because of them. He drops a lot of passes. The last year and a half when he's been healthy, he has not caught a lot of passes. He is also someone who has trouble staying on the field. And when someone is so over-the-top about money – once they get paid, and when, when you are, everybody wants to get paid. Everybody wants the money. But he is so over the top about money. I can't trust that paying him is going to have him turn over a new leaf. Yes, he has been a good guy for the last three weeks, right? And the Giants are fawning all over themselves, going, oh, look, Odell's doing all the right things. Well, everybody should be doing what Odell Beckham is doing coming to camp and playing and not making a nuisance of themselves. But because he's doing it for three weeks, the Giants are over the top praising him. It's like when. If you're a parent of a kid who's in and out of trouble all the time, the the one time he does something good for five minutes, it's oh, you know, this is great. You you're doing the right thing, and this I'm so proud of you, son, and all this stuff. Meanwhile, it's like yeah, I'm just doing this so you let me take the car on Friday night because yeah, I'm going away for like four days. I'm not coming back till Tuesday. So good luck getting to work on Monday and Tuesday, Dad. This is Odell Beckham Jr. When you pay him all of these things, all of this stuff that comes along with him is just going to continue for Odell Beckham Jr. as long as you have him. I can't give him that kind of money. Well, look, I think it's going to be crazy money. I think the Giants are going to give it to him because Giants have done a bunch of stupid things to win right away. (laughs) 
instead of to have a, a better long term. It's like I, I love that you don't hear anything. You know, Keenan Allen signed a deal a couple years ago, and Keenan Allen struggled to stay healthy as well. But uh, after you know being paid a bunch up front, he's making seven and a half million dollars, seven point eight million dollars this year, and Keenan Allen was top three, top four wide receiver in the NFL last year. Right? Like the the Chargers have done a great job, for example, of managing these out, getting ahead of it, uh, getting ahead of it before. Uh, you start to have to pay crazy numbers. And oh yeah, by the way, this whole idea that you have to pay Odell Beckham, you have to pay him. Like, no, you actually don't. You, you, you don't have to pay him. You don't. He's under contract this year, and then you could franchise tag him the next couple of years when he comes out of his rookie deal. You want to pay him because you want to control your cap and and have it and have it a lower cap number throughout the deal. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you that you don't give him the money now, but I'm gonna disagree with you from that you eventually they've kind of put themselves in that corner that the jets put themselves in the corner with Darrell Revis, right? Where you say all these great things about a guy, you know, he's got break, uh, game breaking talent and he's in New York and he's become a signature part of what you want to do. And you've tried to put all these weapons around Eli Manning. You can't take his best weapon away. I, I think he's better than you're giving him credit for. They all have all the good ones have drops. Yes. He's had more and yes, he st- failed to stay healthy. Here's what I want to see. How does he handle adversity, right? Anybody can, in the off season after having, you know, a, a woman in a hotel room and what looked like cocaine in a video, anyone can have a come to Jesus couple of months to where you're going to be on your best behavior, especially when you're trying to negotiate a contract. How do you handle adversity? If they lose a couple of games, if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get a ton of opportunities and they're winning games. How does he handle it then? And oh yeah, by the way, can his body hold up? Cause as much as he has made some plays, and had some performances that we have not seen before in this early part part of uh, anyone's career as a wide receiver in the league. We also have to mention he missed what the first four games of rookie, and he missed all but two games or so last year. Like that's a season of work, and he hadn't been in the league this long. Show me you can stay healthy. Show me you can battle through adversity. And if you do so, I give you it. But I'm going to give you it when some some more of the work is done. The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb. In for Dan, Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. From Stephen King and executive producer David E. Kelly in AT&T Original Series, Mr. Mercedes returns to DirecTV's audience network with a new season Wednesdays at 10. A demented serial killer interrupts a detective's retirement, opening old wounds and orchestrating new havoc. This is a great series starring Brendan Gleeson and Harry Treadway, Mr. Mercedes Season 2, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. exclusively on DirecTV Channel 239 and streaming on DirecTV now. I'm in the middle of the Bill Hodges trilogy. No spoilers, no spoilers. Coming up next, Chris Sims stops by. Going to talk some football with him and great news if you are a football fan and like beer. This is Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. You see the Hawaii Little League team compared to everybody else. They're giants. It's like you see a Little League guy from Staten Island bat and go, oh, my God, he looks like he's a five-year-old kid in a uniform when he's standing next to the guy on first base for Hawaii. It's insane. Now, meanwhile, their homes are under, you know, under hurricane warning. Jason, have some sympathy. Okay. I did. What did I say? I said Hawaii's going to win. I'm messing with you. Wow, I'm messing look with at you. you. No, the 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 p the pre and post puberty guy. It's pretty pretty obvious there. Like, look, I have my kids are are all small, and we and we're like, what? what are we not feeding our children something? <laughs> Is there something in their diet that they're missing? 
Did I miss the, the like, hey, let's give our kids growth hormone that I'm not aware of? It's really remarkable how big some children are these days. Right. All right. So why'd you ask me about my middle school? Just because middle school is your first like experience with a dance, I think, right? Uh, no, there's no, there's like I've, I've taken my daughter to daddy daughter dances. Uh, they I'm have a terrible now. dad. I've missed all. Of I've missed all of those. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, they're fun. I mean, they're like a couple hours. You go, they they see their friends. It's not like you're sitting there dancing with your daughter. Yeah, all yeah the but time. Uh, wait, but yeah. you didn't have daddy daughter daddy son or da- daughter son daughter dances when you were a kid, right? I'm telling uh, you, no. your first experience. Right? No. Yeah, my first one was probably, uh, no, we didn't have a dance in fifth grade. Yeah, I think sixth grade, seventh grade, that was the first, quote, dance. Now, were you yeah. a get in the middle of the floor and start dancing sort of guy, or you a chill with the fellas over the side? Because Oh, you Chris, know, Chris, I'm, I'm a chill on the side guy. Chris Sims going to join us from uh, NBC Sports, joins us here on the Dan Patrick Show. Sims, I- I'm guessing you were too cool for school. Were you, a, were you a center of the dance floor guy, or were you a too cool for school guy? No, I mean, you're talking about when I was in grade school, like that kind of thing? Yeah, you, you grow, growing up yeah, in Jersey. I, I didn't get comfortable of being in the center of the dance floor and that kind of thing, maybe till the end of the high school career. Yeah, I was too cool for school before that. They didn't just get every dance going, hey, throw him a football. Let's see him throw a football here at the dance. <laughs> no, they definitely did not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was too self-conscious. You know, too white with no rhythm to really break it out until maybe about senior year of high school. Right. You couldn't be Sims's kid can't dance. Sims's kid can't dance. <laughs> right. Right. Sims's kid can't dance at all. It's a bad look for the whole family. Bad, I, can't, bad, I can't put that out there until I got it, you know, got the moves right. Uh, okay. Last night, was it great defensive line play or horrific offensive line and quarterback play? Well, I think a little bit of both. I do think that those are two special defenses that are out on the football field last night. I don't think you can uh, underestimate that. I mean, the, the Eagles defense, it's got two starting defensive lines on it. I mean, the backups are better than a lot of NFL teams starting defensive lines are. So I look at that. It looks like Jim Schwartz and company probably game planned a little bit. And, hey, that Cleveland defense, I mean – you know, it's a lot like the path we've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars go along. I'm not saying they're on that class yet, but after so many years of being bad, they accumulate all these high-end talented players, and the Cleveland defense, I would be shocked. It was one of the 10 best in football last year. There's no doubt about that. The offense didn't help it out, and it got worn out in certain games, but uh, it can be a special defense, top five in football if the offense can just help it out. And Miles Garrett's going to be the NFL defensive MVP. I, I can promise you that. He has been unblockable in three games so far this preseason. All right, when it comes to the Browns, something Doug and I on opposite sides of this morning, we watched Terod Taylor play last night, suffer a hand injury, come out, get checked out, and then go back into the third preseason game. Yeah. What, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you make of Hugh Jackson's decision to allow him to go back in the game? Well, I, you know, listen, I think Hugh Jackson's just sitting there. He's trying to set a new culture there in Cleveland. Tyrod Taylor is, I mean, you hear them raving about him as a leader and, you know, all the hard work and early hours he gets into the building every day, all of that. So, hey, he wanted to go out there and continue to play. Right. And Hugh knows that their offense needs reps. I mean, you guys watched the game last night. That was not exactly a well-oiled machine on the offensive side of the football. So I think it was more of one of those things where once he came back on the sideline and said, okay, you feel like you're pretty good, it's your, not your, your non-throwing wrist, get out there and take some reps if you can. Um, and, you know, again, it was, it was disappointing on all levels. The most disappointing quarterback of the night, though, was Nick Foles. He was awful. For sure, when all said and done. Chris, he was was awful last night, and 
He and, was awful last night, uh, last week, and yeah, he was awful last week too. But but I, but the but and and he seems to be a guy to which when it spirals, it spirals kind of in a hurry, right? Like he trips yeah. over his his teammate's foot and causes a, and and gets a safety, and that just like like all oh, that just began a a, a regression. Um, I, I guess my question is, is this the real Nick Foles? Is Super Bowl Nick Foles the real Nick Foles? Like, who's the real Nick Foles? Yeah, no, the real Nick Foles is a quality backup quarterback. That's, that's, to me, that's all there is to it. Yes, he was phenomenal in the Super Bowl. He certainly was, and he was very good in the NFC Championship game. But I do think that a lot of the football-watching world has forgotten how much he struggled in Week 16 and Week 17, and even the divisional playoff sure. game was not beautiful. You know, this is where I fight back when people want to go like, oh, maybe Nick Foles should be the starter. No, Carson Wentz is a really special talent. And I think people forget that last year, you know, the Eagles weren't awesome to start the year. It was more like Carson Wentz was awesome early in the year. He helped them kind of, he helped the team catch up. And then the team started to hit on all cylinders. And then you went, oh, wow, this is a special football team. But he made special plays early in the year to get them victories. And then they became a well-oiled machine. And then Nick Foles got to be a part of that. And then they got a certain amount of weeks, let's not forget, because I know the Eagles coaches were stressed that Nick Foles was their starting quarterback going into the playoffs, that they went on like a month-long journey of figuring out how to uh, apply plays and new schemes to the offense that made Nick Foles comfortable. And all that ended up to the pinnacle of the Super Bowl and, of course, his performance uh, against the New England Patriots. Former NFL quarterback, Bleacher Report, NFL analyst Chris Sims with us here on the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. All right, Chris, as we look to the games tonight, we have nearly we have a half slate of games tonight. Certainly a lot of things to be figured out week three of the preseason. Top of the list, Sam Darnold allegedly can win the Jets starting quarterback job with another decent showing tonight. From what you've seen, is he ready to start week one? He is ready to start week one. I mean, there's a few things I'd like to see more, but... You know, hey, I just put it like this. He's the number three pick in the draft. He certainly has the demeanor. Uh, I've been around the kid, and you, you guys have seen enough of him, too. He's not phased by the big lights of New York City. So this is not going to be a, a huge adjustment for him. He's got a great, humble way about him. And from what I've seen on the field to this point, yes, I mean, his movement in the pocket, his quick decisions, his ability to get the ball out of his hands quick are, are all phenomenal. Am I sold that he's going to be a superstar in the NFL yet? No, but he is going to be a good starting NFL quarterback. I want to see some more aggressive throws down the field from Sam Darnold. That's the one thing we haven't really seen. It's been a lot of quick game, short stuff. When he breaks out of the pocket, man, he can make some throws uh, on the run. He's phenomenal on the run. But uh, you guys, uh, this just in, the Jets aren't going to the Super Bowl, yeah. okay? So let's start it now. There's no point in, like, delaying this inevitability about, you know, oh, it's, we're going to wait till week five. Get them the reps. Nothing can, be, nothing can duplicate playing quarterback unless you're out on that field and guys like Von Miller are trying to rip off your head and there's 70,000 screaming fans. I don't care how hard you try to make practice like a game. It ain't a game until you get out there, at least at the quarterback position. Why are you bursting my bubble? I'm a Jets fan. I want to think Super Bowl till at least we kick off week one. I want to have that in my head for the next couple of weeks. Well, sorry, just reality. <laughs> yeah, you know, the truth hurts sometimes. But, you know, we can, start, we can start having those dreams. Let's think 2019, 2020, if you wanted to start having those dreams realistically. Then we can buy in. All right, I, deal. I, my, my, my only fear, though, you mentioned how there's not deep, deep throws down the field. 
Right. He didn't have time to plant that back foot. I mean, their last game, he had, didn't have his guard, didn't have his left tackle. Yes. And right. I'm just, I'm a little concerned that, now maybe not the David Carr thing, but just, I mean, like people point out if Cleveland would have drafted Carson Wentz, like Cleveland would have drafted Carson Wentz, he would have gotten destroyed his first year behind their offensive line two years ago. I guess that's my fear there. And meanwhile, you got you got Teddy Bridgewater that's an asset. Wouldn't you want to have, have Teddy Bridgewater show that he can make it through an NFL game or two so you can trade him to somebody who does need a starting quarterback? Well, yeah, I don't know if anybody's just going to bring in Teddy Bridgewater and go, oh, we need him as a starting quarterback. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to get brought into places where they go, we have a starting quarterback, and if our starting, starting quarterback gets hurt, our whole season's over because we have a below-average backup quarterback. Like, I look at situations where, like, the Denver Broncos, the Los Angeles Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, the Carolina Panthers, where I just go, man, those teams are rolling the dice. If their starter goes down, their season's over. So why wouldn't you get in the trade market for a Teddy Bridgewater? I think that's the role he's going to have to take. If, I, I, if I'm the Jets, again, I would expect them to play him a lot again tonight because they are going to showcase him, and he has looked good. But, no, I, I just don't think uh, – I, I, like I said, I, I know the team's not perfect. The offensive line, it does look like it'll be healthy once the season starts. And I think that uh, I would just start the Sam Darnold era now and get it going and let him get that experience and let him play. I think he is an uh, NFL-ready quarterback for, from this point right now. Last year it seemed kind of lame to have the battle for L.A. Chris Sims joining us, NBC Sports. It's the Dan Patrick Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Jason Smith along with me, Doug Gottlieb. Last year this lame kind of battle for L.A. Now there's a legit battle for who's the better yes. team in L.A. Right. And, and the Rams had a, a breakthrough season last year. And went out and added a bunch of guys on one-year deals. Uh, and Dominican Sue and, I mean, you know, Aqib Tlaib and, and others. And then you give Todd Gurley a bunch of money. You give Brandon Cooks a bunch of money, which was kind of surprising. Meanwhile, yeah. the Chargers are kind of quietly put together a ridiculous roster of wide receivers, getting Mike Williams, who missed most of last year. Still have Phillip Rivers. Two dynamic pass rushers. Did lose Hunter Henry. I guess my question is, in your mind, Chris, heading into the season, who is actually the better team in L.A.? Yeah, it's very close. It really is. I do. I think the Chargers are one of those teams that are a true Super Bowl contender uh, in the AFC. And I thought they were last year they were one of the teams where I said, man, if they get in the playoffs, they're one of a, a short list of teams that could have maybe beat New England. Um, so I'm going to go with the Rams just because of what they did last year and the faith I have in Sean McVay and Wade Phillips as far as offensive defensive coordinator and, of course, McVay is the head coach too. Uh, yes, it's hard not to pick with them, but I, I think that the Chargers are a phenomenal football team. It's very close. I will say this. I think the Chargers have a little more of an advantage in depth of their football team. I think that's why you're seeing the Rams not play a lot of the starters. I went out to training camp with the Rams last, uh, last week. And that's something that certainly jumped out to me. It's like the old Seattle Seahawks teams that we saw the last few years. Yeah, they've paid like nine or ten guys on their roster, but what happened is it's affected the depth of their football team to where, uh, I, you know, McVay's he's scared to lose any of these starters in the preseason. But I still think their top-end talent is pretty special, and those are two special play callers on both sides of the ball. So i got to give the Rams the advantage there, but I do think it's very close. All right, kind of quickly here, Chris. Yeah, um, yeah. You, played, you played for Gruden. In in uh, in Tampa, yep. he's now in Oakland after a long respite. He's got Derek Carr. Uh, he obviously doesn't have Khalil Mack, but there's been they've taken some risks there in some of the moves that they've made. How do you think the Raiders thing plays out year one, the new Gruden era? 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That division's going to be very competitive. I don't think they have a, a phenomenal roster. I think they're going to have to win football games with their offense and John Gruden and his game plan design and Derek Carr and his clutch ability like we saw two years ago in the 2016 season where you could have argued he was the NFL MVP that year. I think they're going to be a team that's going to have to score, you know, 28, 30 points a game. Uh, yes, they, they, I think they found a few gems in the draft. But for the most part, Gruden's taken the approach that he had in Tampa. He wants veteran players there. He doesn't trust the young guys. And we're going to see. Let me tell you, Doug, he is laying in the weeds for week one. He has shown nothing in the preseason. It's been two or three formations. It's been very little starters out there. I have a feeling he's going to unveil a playbook that we've never seen in week one. And that's how he's going to try to jump out in the league and, and scare some people early in the season. Sims is going shock and awe. He's calling shock, shock and awe for the, for the <laughs> Oakland Raiders. Hey. I do, yes, I do. I think he's saving everything he's learned for the last 10 years, the plays he stole from Shanahan, McVay, the Sean Paytons. He hasn't shown any of them in, in, on uh, any of these preseason games. And I think he's going to unveil them all you know, the first few weeks of the year. Sims, great job. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, guys. Be good. Have a good weekend. All right, you can follow him on Twitter at CSimsQB. That's at CSimsQB. Why would you tell, tell somebody to follow him on Twitter when he hasn't tweeted in over a year? Well, because people still tweet out his stuff for him. He does his quarterback rankings and everything, and it becomes a thing uh, on Twitter. When, when Sims does his quarterback rankings, people, oh, he's got this guy over this guy, this guy over this guy. And so, you know, it be, it's still a thing for Bleacher Report. Fair enough. And you came on the show, and, and that's a thing. All right, that, that's fair enough. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Uh, in fact, you know, Jason Cole, who I always have on the show, Bleacher Report, NFL Insider, he comes on, and I always say, why do you always retweet Chris Sims' fantasy football? He goes, oh, we're supposed to. We're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it. You know, for everybody else. So it's a whole big, you know, thing. We're all in together at Bleacher Report. Uh, today's show brought to you by Continental Tire. Continental Tire, proud to be the exclusive tire of the Dan Patrick Show. No matter where you drive or what you drive, Continental Designs Tires for what you do. For more information, visit ContinentalTire.com. ContinentalTire.com. Continental Tire for what you do. I like that. I, we're, the shock and awe, he's been saving all his plays. It's such a football thing, yeah. right? To save all my plays. Save all my plays till the actual game. Yeah. I, now, look, I'm not a big fan of the Raiders for this season. I don't know that they have enough playmakers to be able to make plays. I don't know that Derek Carr is a guy that's going to make everybody better. Uh, certainly their wide receivers, not as dynamic as they were. Their running game, they're still going to try to figure that out. Uh, and then when I have to say, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, then that that's not something that's going to all come together for the Raiders. I'm not sure if John Gruden, how he's going to be after being away from the game for as long as he has been. Has he lost touch with the players? Is he still going to be able to to adjust on the fly like he did because the game is much different? You miss two years, and that's a lot in the NFL. So all that time when I keep saying, boy, I wonder about this, I wonder about this, when you need all those things to come true, all of those things are not going to happen. You're not going to have a charm season like that. That I'm not high on the Raiders because of that. Well, look, they, they, they took a lot of – they took several chances on guys with baggage in the draft or guys with medical issues. They took a chance on Martavis Bryant, who uh, has freak talent, and at times we've seen it in some of their practice footage with the Raiders. Mari Cooper, you talk about guys that had the drops last year. All of a sudden, the Raiders collectively had the drops, and supposedly their offensive line, their 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 blocking scheme was out of whack in in comparison to the actual style by which they competed at the year before. So. Look, I think Derek Carr's a good quarterback. I think they have some good pieces. I think they took a lot of chances. Do I think they're going to win a Super Bowl? No. It is the AFC. I'm not buying what Denver's selling. And I think Kansas City is going to be all over the map. They're going to have 
they're going to have some unbelievable offensive games with all the weaponry that Pat Mahomes has, but he's also going to turn the ball over because that's who he is. He's going to take a lot of chances, and I don't think their defense is that good. Look, I think it's going to be a crazy off. Those three teams will be crazy talented offensively, and then the Broncos are a team that's kind of in between what they want to be and who they are and don't know if Vance Joseph's their coach long-term as he nearly didn't make it to year two. I- I'm I'm interested I think they'll probably be better than people think, but I don't think they'll compete and win for that for that division. I think it's Chargers, Chiefs, then Raiders, then Broncos. I think Chargers win the division. I think the Chiefs are the most entertaining team that's going to be around five hundred. Maybe they're a nine and seven type team this year. But the Chargers clearly every year, all the it's the same thing. Don't start one and four. Don't start well, they, one and, they, and four. And they start with the Chiefs. Just start two and two. And they start with the Chiefs. And Roberto Aguayo looks like the better kicker. And it's like, do you like? <laughs> Right? Do you, do you, stop me if you heard this before. Stop me if you heard this before. But, <laughs> and remember, l- last year, if you're, if you're wondering, like, why are you talking so much? The Chargers were actually a really good They One of the things that got screwed up in the AFC playoffs is the, the Ravens should have made the playoffs and the Chargers should have made the playoffs. Those were, those were two of the top six teams in the AFC. They did not. And so look what the Patriots had to go through, right? The, the Titans and then the Jaguars at home that sat on the football with a lead with 59 seconds to go in the first half, right, mm-hmm. to, get to, the, to get to a Super Bowl. Whereas you put the Chargers in there with Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen and uh, and Melvin Gordon like and Joey Bosa and 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 Ingram as well. I mean, you, that's a they got some dynamic pieces there. Um, but but the reason it came apart was, I mean, the field goal kicking was embarrassing. Right? It was Youngway Koo, right? Yeah. Youngway Koo missed two in the first two weeks, and, and I mean, should have beaten the Broncos week one of mm-hmm. the season. He makes that. It's a complete completely different season playoffs everything is different and so i guess if you're tom telesco is their general manager like do you go with roberto aguayo who when he's gotten opportunities in real nfl games has missed him and yet here in training camp he looks like the better quarterback it, it feels like last year all over again even though roberto aguayo wasn't the guy who won the job last year yeah you know the guy to watch out for is cairo santos who just got cut by the jets he's finally healthy couldn't kick all preseason he's always been solid He's somebody that everybody's going to get nervous about bringing guys in. But Santos, I mean, how many games did you watch him in Kansas City? He's five for five on field goals today. Oh, he's you know four for four. Cairo Santos could be the big difference. And I know Chris Sims said Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year, Joey Bosa, Joey Bosa, and those tiny baby shoulder pads that he wears, Defensive Player of the Year. He is becoming an absolute monster in the National Football League. I love Joey Bosa. Uh, but speaking of the NFL, if you like the NFL and you like beer. And you like beer that doesn't cost a lot of money. Well, do we have a fun story? For you? You're like checking boxes yeah. here. Do you like the NFL? Check. Do you like beer? Check. Do you like beer that's less expensive than it should be? Check, check. Go on. Anything else? Do you like craft beer? Do you like craft beer? Check, check, check. Do you like craft beer that is cheaper than even domestic beer? Sold. Check. We have that story. coming. Is that enough? Is yeah. that enough? Now the checks. I'll check. That's, I'll check. That's next right here on Fox. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan from the Mercedes-Benz Studios. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. My show heard nights here on Fox, 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug, 12 to 3 p.m. during the day. And before we get to the NFL and cheap beer and cheap craft beer, 
Big story out of the NBA, one of the big rule changes that's going to be implemented likely for the 2018-2019 season is that on possessions where the offensive team wins the offensive rebound, Mm -hmm. the shot clock will, instead of resetting to 24 seconds, will reset to 14 seconds. They want to kind of juice up play, make the end of games and certain possessions more exciting. Like it? Love it? Hate it? Where are you? Love it. Having having coached it uh, internationally in in Israel a year ago, um, it 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 completely changes the flow of the game, absolutely completely changed. And, and it's there's just a heightened sense um, on both sides. It's not just offense and offense. You get a rebound. You teach your, your players to get in a rebound. If you can put it back up, you put it back up. Otherwise, you kick it out. We're looking for a quick shot. Defensively, obviously, you want to protect against offensive boards. But now all of a sudden you have to kind of get right back into it, right? Get right back after it. So it's not just that there'll be more possessions, more shots. It's also that I think there'll be a heightened level of intensity when the ball is the shot is missed and the ball is kicked out because now all of a sudden you're right about ten on the shot clock. So it's something that FIBA has had for years. It's something they've tried in the G League and. Most who have seen it at pushing for it, I, I think college basketball should be the next to do it. Don't have to change their shot clock from from thirty, but just do the reset to fifteen or the reset to fourteen. It'll speed up those next shots up, speeds up the pace of the game. More shots, more offense. Skews the stats a little bit. There'll be more three pointers taken, I think. But I think that's a good thing. That's the way the NBA is now. NBA is about threes. Got to make those threes. Teams even don't want to shoot threes. Have to shoot threes. Layups and threes, right? Layups and threes. Don't ever underestimate. People underestimate the value of the layup, right? The he who makes the most, most layups wins. But yes, layups and threes is is the way to play. Doug at Gottlieb Show. I'm on Twitter at How About a Fresca. Meanwhile, a story for everybody. If you like the NFL and you like beer and you like cheap beer. And you like cheap craft beer. No, you like inexpensive beer because that's craft beer is not technically cheap. Sorry, in, inexpensive. Well, I say cheap. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's not going to cost you a lot of money. Got it. We'll say inexpensive. Okay. The Atlanta Falcons are shocking the sports world with a $5 craft beer. They're going to start selling $5 craft beers at their regular season games starting September 16th against the Panthers. Also, any home playoff games. $5. For a craft beer, when normally if you want a craft beer at a stadium, $18, $17, you want really? to go a craft beer at a stadium? Oh, for a football game? Yeah. You're not going to, you're not getting now, a 20 ounce here's craft my, beer. Here's, for, my, here's my question if you're listening to us and you're a Falcon fan or you've been to Mercedes Benz Stadium. Or you like beer? No, it's, it's more of you've been there. Are the ticket prices, like, are they getting you anyway? You know what I'm saying? Like, they might not be getting you with the food prices, which they've, they've put, they've, they've, lowered in comparison to the rest of the National Football League and to the craft beer prices, but are you paying more for tickets and more for parking so it ends up being a wash? Okay, so like in Vegas when the when the waitress brings you a free beer, meanwhile you're gambling and losing like twenty dollars in a minute. Right. It's, or you know, and you have okay. to you, yeah. you tip anyway. Sure. Right? Sure. It's like free, but it's not yeah. really free. Yeah. Um so is is that the case with Mercedes Benz Stadiums? Like the tickets are ten dollars more than they ever would be or fifteen dollars more than they were you know, going back to the old Georgia Dome, but the beer price and the food prices are less. But there's many people who will say, okay, if the if the ticket is $15 more, but if the beer is $5, I will have more beer to alleviate the cost of the ticket. So if I have four beers, that's $20, and the extra ticket was $15, I'm coming ahead $5 in the deal. People use that philosophy. Um, are you a craft beer guy? Uh, if it, As long as it's not too heavy. I don't want to. Like, I don't want to like, drink like a beer. I that, open up. I go to your fridge. I go and yeah. I, open up your fridge. Yeah. What's in there? 
you'll get some pale ale. You'll get some uh, some blue moon. You will get some wolf IPA. A little bit of that. I'm not. If it gets too dark, I just won't drink it because I'm like I don't want to get full and feel like I just had a steak. So I'm, I just be honest. I'm not a craft beer guy. I'm not an IPA guy. I'm a, I like all the Mexican beers. Uh, Modelo especially. Um, not, Corona not as much. Dos Equis. Uh, Tecate as well. What about you, uh, Rye Music? You, you want to hop in on this? Well, I was just going to point out, you guys were asking about ticket prices. Uh, obviously, the stuff for this upcoming season isn't out yet, but if you go back from 2016 into 2017, I found a website that has ticket prices and how they've changed. So coming off the year when the Patriots and the Falcons were in the Super Bowl, both of their prices went up. The Patriots went up by 31%. To three hundred and eighty dollars for an average price of a ticket, I mean, the Falcons went up a hundred and thirty-five percent to two fifty-nine. Yeah, it's. it's uh, I mean, like this is like, and you guys know Coles, right? Coles. Oh, I love the, yeah, Coles, Mervins, right? all those. Yeah, sure. No, like Coles, they they send out these these flyers, which is like 30, 40, 50 percent off. You buy like. And so I always go there. I go to Kohl's. I get my socks at Kohl's. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. And you're like, here's my coupon. I'm getting 40% off. Yeah, but you look at the retail, retail price, and it's more money there than it. So are you really <laughs> saving 40% off or not? Like my deal with the $5 craft beer, it sounds like a great deal, but you got to pay like $300, $300 for a seat at a football game when I can only watch one game? But they are only middle of the pack. That puts them 17th in the league no, for average ticket prices. I get it. My, my point is more like this is it's great PR. This is one of those, it's great PR. No one would argue it's not great, but they have a beautiful, sparkling new stadium. I don't actually even understand the scoreboard, the video board that circles around. I feel like that's harder to view. I haven't, you know, than, mm. than Dallas's is. Uh, where Dallas, the problem with Dallas is it's so good you don't actually watch the product on the field. You just watch the board. Yeah. And then, you, then you're like, why did I come here to watch TV screen when I can go home and watch TV screen? I can watch multiple games. The the, ba- the battle in the next 20 years is going to be to get people into football stadiums because why would you go when you can watch at home? The the stuff on TV is so much better because of TV technology and you can watch all your games. You can update your fantasy. You can be online. There's so many different ways. The battle, can they get multiple TVs at your seat so that you can watch other football games when your game is boring? It's right. getting worse and worse to watch in person. Let's end with this right here. Most expensive craft beer in sports. San Francisco Giants. How much do they charge for a craft beer? I don't know, twenty five bucks. Everything in San Francisco is expensive. Nineteen dollars and twenty five cents. But but they get the garlic fries, and the whole place smells like garlic fries. It's impossible not to buy garlic fries when you go to a Giants game. Twitter at How About a Fresca. Doug at Gottlieb Show. Big night in the National Football League on the way. This is Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.